Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Traveller wedding up the country makes the papers today, makes the front page of the mirror. A traveller wedding party, more than 120 people. It went ahead last night, despite the fact that armed guardie were drafted in. It even went to the courts. It was a 2,000 square foot marquee. Um, and apparently uh, officers went in to uh, try and dismantle it. Local authority chiefs got involved as well. To the best of my knowledge and understanding, it was not dismantled. And the wedding went ahead in the marquee in contravention, of course, of public health guidelines and what have you. I'd say at this stage, there's probably even social media photos and videos of the wedding uh, up the country, up in Longford. It's the front page of the papers today. The rest of us, of course, uh, are doing the best we can. Um, and one of that, one of those aspects of doing the best you can will be an outdoor summer. So in spite of what maybe, for instance, the county council executive told me on the air uh, last week, um, uh, Eamon Ryan is quoted in the papers this morning as saying that they're going to pump 8 million euro into funding illegal dumping and littering because we will have an outdoor summer. So they hope to uh, spend that kind of money uh, putting in all sorts of extra bins, more and more bins and more and more staff to tackle the problem. But of course, it always comes with the, with the caveat, leave no trace. But in spite of that, they're acknowledging that they need more bins across the summer, at least, and eight million has been put aside for that. Leo Varadkar says we should have our lives back by August. August 2021, I assume he's talking about. Whatever you call normal uh, will be by August when most things will come back. We're going to see developments across the months of June and indeed July. Uh, Eamon Ryan is a busy man this morning. He's saying that people should feel free to eat and drink outdoors in public places across the summer without the fear of being collared by the Gardaí. Papers also say, um, and this is a quote from Neffet, saying that we're not and will never go back to, to local lockdowns. Now, it's not quite saying as to, although I I have quoted in the past Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar saying the plan is never to go back to even a national lockdown. But they're talking about spectators returning to sporting events by July. And that's a story that makes this morning's Times. The Times also says, as a kind of a thank you or a bit of a reward for what we've been through, they are possibly thinking of an extra bank holiday in Ireland. And they're penciling in perhaps September as an extra bank holiday day. And they figure that... It would go some way to help the hospitality sector. At least they're talking about it in the door. Down your way, the Echo reports. Remember that COVID outbreak uh, that was uh, associated with some 18 birthday party and then people were infected in the school Public school in Trinoida in Yall. 31 cases of COVID and counting apparently, according to the Echo today. And John Sheehan, the GP at Blackpool Bridge Surgery, makes the front of the Echo because he says people are drinking more now out of frustration, anxiety um, and uh, more time on their hands than ever before. And he's seeing an increase in alcohol-related patient visits. You will also see an increase in alcohol prices. Many of the beer cans are much more than 4% in volume and some of them are quite large. So the figures that we've been given yesterday were for the smaller cans of beer and what have you and for the ones that are four percent but the larger ones and indeed the stronger ones could be as much as two euro a can and this would be for the big big cans i'm wondering you know how much do you think is fair with regards to the price of a beer i mean certainly i don't think anybody would argue with a 150 or 170 in all fairness i mean 
like you know a lot of the time that's that's cheaper than than bottled water uh, but apparently they drill into the actual price differences because there will be a price increase will come into effect in about six months time it will affect everything not just beer but certainly wine and uh, and uh, you know strong liquor as well and um, but I want to come back to this later on. So row in the doll yesterday. Tommy Gould got involved actually also, but it was particularly a row between Michal Martin. Not a row, but obviously a disagreement between Michal Martin and Mary Lou MacDonald with regards to house prices in Ireland. And, and more to the point, what we're finding now is, uh, and this is extraordinary, I'll come back to it later. What we're finding now is that investment companies and pension funds are coming into Ireland, and not just Ireland, but the UK as well and, and many, many cities. And they're buying up properties. So what they do is they have a fund and in one particular case, they had a fund for of €1 billion Euro to buy as many properties as they could. And they bought an entire housing estate in Maynooth. I mean, how does a first-time buyer, a young couple, have any kind of a chance uh, when you have uh, property funds, investment companies and pension funds coming in and literally hoovering up all of the properties? So I have some audio on that a little later on. But he's promising to crack down on these investment firms. Incidentally, they are businesses, so don't think they're not. But in spite of that, I understand that they don't have to pay any corporation tax and they don't have to pay any capital gains tax, which is bizarre considering that any other company operating this country as a company has to. So there's been moves now to try and sort that out. And the Taoiseach has told the doll that this practice is unacceptable. I mean, the dogs on the street know that. Meanwhile, back on Lisa, the Echo was talking today with residents on the north side, particularly up around Ladies Well in Blackpool, not too far from the brewery, saying that their uh, their estate is being used as a shortcut regularly um, for criminal activity. Uh, and they are being forced now themselves individually to put in CCTV cameras in their homes. One resident's been living there for like 10 years, said that an attempt had been made to break into his wife's car on Sunday night. So car burglaries. I mean, I know I've dealt with it on the air on a number of occasions. Um, it's very, very prevalent. Leave no, as they say, leave no trace. And I'm not talking about litter. I'm talking about anything inside in your car. And then, Yobs, uh, I mean, this is morning radio, so I can't call them what I'd like to call them. Could you imagine this? The front of the sun today, where a young girl was literally knocked onto the tracks of the Dublin train um, and had to be pulled at the last minute to save her life. 17-year-old girl. You can see the CCTV footage of this online. And the dad of the young girl is quoted in the papers this morning saying she is still clearly upset about it, as you would be, and is having nightmares. The headline is, train jobs could have killed my girl. Graham Norton is absolutely flying it. Flying it. His television show and his radio show is bringing in 4.5 million a year. And he admits himself that it's not bad for a year's work. He has said in the past that he's not worth that kind of money. I think he's worth every penny of it, incidentally, if that's what the market is paying. But he said, I may not be worth it, and I know that it's ridiculous money, but that's what the market is paying, so what can you do? Nick Kamen has died at the age of 59. Do you remember him? Uh, he, I mean, he had a somewhat successful musical career. I don't think his music aged very well. I think Madonna produced it. But we all know him, of course, because he stripped to his boxers and his socks in a laundromat back in the 1980s for one of the biggest, um, biggest, biggest television adverts that was ever made, and that was for Levi, Levi Jeans. Do you remember that? Um, I might give, uh, a, the tune actually was Marvin Gaye's, I heard it through the grapevine, so we might give that a spin a little later on this morning. Papers also talk today of how you can make easy money, just literally eating. You eat soup, don't you? Even though you really drink it or spoon it. But you know how you can do all of these different um, trials? 
There's one now on Lee's side for um, literally just tasting or eating broccoli soup. 700 euro is being offered to people to drink a special super broccoli soup once a year for six months. It's part of a study, and there are many of them. It's a core company behind it. Atlantia Food Clinical Trials will give you 700 bucks if you just, on a weekly basis, taste the broccoli. And I guess they keep an eye on your metabolism and do whatever, you know, medical examinations of you from time to time. I'll have more on that a little later on this morning because that's just one of many ways to make money. You can do it with probiotics, yogurts. I'm sure you can go on clinical trials for deodorants breakfast cereals, all sorts of stuff like that. But there's a wacky story of the things you find in products that you buy. And this fella had um, a packet of hula hoops and he pulled a hula hoop from it. Literally a hula hoop. Um, But it's five inches long. (laughs) And it's the real McCoy. It's got the hole in it. It's like like a piece of waffen pipe. (laughs) It's five inches long. Um... I don't know, would you make money for that if you put it up on done deal or try to sell it online? I don't know. The Neil Prenderville Show. Right, lines open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. I'll get to all of the different bits and pieces across the morning, but I'm conscious of time for some people. So rather than lose them, I'm moving things around. And I want to chat, if you don't mind, with uh, Marie, because it's a great story from some of the characters and the stories we had on the air over the past three or four days. Marie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Now, you can fill us in with regards to uh, Marky, or better known as Fat Marky, is it? Fat Marky, that's what he was known as. Did he have the pet lion? He had the pet lion, yeah. And yesterday, I had a funeral. I got another bit of information. My brother was telling me that he walked with him. He would have been my father's first cousin. Fat Marky would have been. Okay. So what can you tell us about the story? Yeah, and he said he used to tell them that um, how he started to travel because he was a very good uh, opera singer and he sang with some orchestra and they were asked to entertain the troops and he said he went to a few different countries and they ended up in Africa and he said wherever in the world there was a fire and the lion was burned and they saved the two cubs and he took one. He took a cub, right. What did he do with the cub? He brought it home. That's how he brought it home. I mean, on a, on a boat, on a ship or something? I think so, yes. I think it was on boats that time. And because, and the, because the cub was in a fire, he called the cub Flame. He called him Flame, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What what decade are we talking about? Oh, God, I'm not sure now. Um, well, my brother was 75, and he was only a young fellow walking in the building with him that time. You know, he was about, I suppose he must have been only about 20 himself. We'd be talking about the 50s, maybe early 60s? Oh, it would be, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, it would, Okay, okay, carry on. So he brought the cub home. Yeah, and he had him out in his backyard. And he had him for a long, long time. And he used to go for a walk. And he used to go downtown. They said, no, I'd walk around town with him. Um, There's great stories about him, like. I could get a lot more now (laughs) if I had time. No, because I kind of didn't believe it when people were telling me the other day, that there was a lion on the north side. So, the cub grew into a lion. Yeah. Right, right. And I think the story was now that my brother was saying that um, I think he got out one day out out the front garden. He used to have him out the back and I think the postman was coming around or something. Now, I don't know, maybe somebody reported him or something at the time of my brother said he thinks maybe the corporation of somebody came and he gave it over. He gave it to them then they took it to Dublin Zoo. That's what I heard. That the that flame yeah. eventually ended up in Dublin Zoo, yeah, and in Dublin did, Zoo, yeah. and Marky, 
she passed away. He did. Um, my brother is Matthews, but there's a load of Matthews in the family. Um, he passed away, I think, when he was 62, my brother said. Yeah, he was young enough. And would he walk around the city with, with Flame the Lion on the... Yeah. Yeah, my brother said he'd take him for a walk around the North State and he said he often went down in her own Patrick Street with him. He said my father would have went with him as well and maybe on a Saturday they'd go for a walk. And did your dad say that he's walking down Patrick Street with a fully grown lion on a lead and not a yeah. guard in sight or not a guard would, would come near him and say, what's yeah. going on with the lion? Yeah, never heard the story about anything like that but he'd take him out walking anyway. And everybody knew him. You probably get more calls about him now, you know? A lot of people probably know him. I have, a, I have a photograph of him. Yeah, my niece sent that in to you. My my sister had that photograph because when you mentioned it on air yesterday, I was in the kitchen thinking, I'm sure that's fat market that talks about. <laughs> I rang my sister and she said, yeah, I'm thinking the same, that has to be him. I said, I have a photograph. Where was oh, that yeah, taken, do you think? I don't know. She's going to find out. No, she's going to try and find that out. Yeah, and they're going to try and find out as well um, about um, could they get any recordings? You know, way back then there must have been some recordings of him singing. With because the you said that he sang in America and he also sang mm-hmm. in the Cork Opera House with Joseph Locke. You are joking me? Yeah, and he. I think the orchestra. Though my brother said, I think the name of the orchestra was Joe Joe Loss. Oh, the Joe Loss Orchestra. I'm with you. Yeah, You're spot yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah, what did he do for a living, Fat Marky? Oh, he was, um, he was a plasterer. Oh, and my father's family was plasterers in Cork. Yeah, my brothers are all plasterers. And the mark, the mark is going down in the, down the generations. My nephews are marked. And that's why he was called Fat Mark, because my father was Mark. And then my brother, they called him, everyone was called Mark, but they called him a Marky then because my father was Mark. And he was called him Small Marky. <laughs> Small Marky, oh. Fat Marky, Thin Marky. Yeah. And I'm told yeah. he built an awful lot of the houses and he plastered a lot of the houses oh, when they did. were built yeah, in Toker. Yeah. He did, yeah. My brother said the ones above Toker Church there, I think there were the bungalows that he walked on those and ones in Bishopstown. And he was a good, my brother said he was a great man, great stories from him, you know. Imagine the postman calling to the house and uh, expecting oh. a dog to walk down the hall yeah. and it's a lion. Yeah. <laughs> if it was today, you wouldn't get your packages. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like there would be the rapid response would arrive at the house if oh there was a lion God. in it now. <laughs> <laughs> they come now when you have a dog, then might say lion. <laughs> and never any trouble, no? Never any trouble. Never he never bit anyone or ate anyone, rather. No, I'd say it was a novelty to people at that time too when you think about it, you know. Keith said to me oh, yesterday there was a big attraction, like Oh yeah, I mean they were kind of crazy days like walking down Patrick Street with a lion on a lead and nobody said a word to you. I tell you, I wish you heard that now before you wouldn't believe it. Like. No, I've seen the photograph here. I fat yeah. Marky in front of me with the cub who's I don't know, a year or two old. Big cub, yeah. it's like a big dog up on his shoulder. Exactly, yeah. And another person now that you were down there on oh, way back night was um Marco Petrassi around about him. Yeah. Well, Marco Petrassi, now we'd all be, Marco Petrassi's wife would be Fat Marky's sister. Get away. Yeah, yeah. Marky, Mar- Marco Petrassi, forgive me, was it a trumpet he played or did he play trumpet? He played and the trumpet, yes, that's right, he played the trumpet. His wife is Patsy. Marco and Petrassi. He was was, Marco, yeah, yeah. And she ended up walking in Ferrero, and years later I walked with her for years in Ferrero. Did you? 
I did, yeah. She was a great woman. Oh, I remember the jazz woman. sessions in the Met on a Sunday morning. Oh, Do you remember them? Yeah, fantastic. Oh, my fantastic God. They were yeah. hanging off the roof on yeah, a Sunday. Happy days. So yeah. there could be some history there. Because Keith was... going to try and do now and get um, an audio or something of that music if we could, you know. Great, great. great photograph of uh, of Mark, mm. Marky. Can we post mm. that up online? We can let people you see can, it. You can, of course, yeah. Because Keith said to me yesterday that, uh, yeah, because I was saying, did you ever hear of the lion on the north side in Blackpool? <laughs> he said, he never heard of the lion, but he said there was a baby elephant in a house out there for a while. Really? That's what oh he said. God. Now, you don't, you wouldn't know about Keith, like. We could, we could, yeah, we could find out more about that. But he claims say, there no, was. No, when um, speaking yesterday at the funeral, you know, you get stories and my brother said, God, if, if I had more time, he said, I'd get a lot more information. I think it's a great story. So I'll get more, I'll get more, you Well, know? you come back to me for the next... Yeah, you come back to me with the next chapter of the story of Fat Marky and I Flame, will, of all right? Course. I will, of course. You're the greatest, you Marie. hear a lot more um, stories now from the Patrosses and that or anybody, if they're listening, I might get onto them as well. Please get do. more information and anybody, from anybody, Patsy, you know? anybody that's got more on that or other stories like it, text 08. Six eight one zero four one zero six. You have a good day. Talk soon. You too. Thanks very much. See you, Marie. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. One zero four to one zero six Red FM. Oh, a lovely email came in here. It's absolutely great. The kindness of people. Um, please pass this on to Neil, my son, who attends um, in. L.N. and has an intellectual disability, forgot his public service card on Tuesday, 4th of May. He used his lunch money to pay for the buses from Cove back and forth. He called me from the bus queue back home to Cove, anxious about what he should do. No money left. While we were talking on the phone, a man just handed him three euro for his fare. I heard it happen on the phone. It was so, I was so heartened at this stranger's kindness. I heard him saying, no problem, don't worry. My son was very taken aback and the man was gone before I could get any details. What lovely people we have in Cork. The very best. Whoever you are, thank you. Regards from a happy mum. And that's from Una who sent that on. And NLN is the National Learning Network. Somebody overheard the lad on the phone to his mum and just gave him the price of the bus fare. I mean, it's such a fabulous thing to do. I mean, who's going to miss three euro? But yet it was it was so important that that lad paid for the bus fare. I would like to think if he'd said it to the bus man or the bus driver, I should say, that he'd have got on it and it would have been no problem. Dominic says, morning, Neil. Uh, I love listening to the shows. I've been listening to the show over here in England. I lost my job back in February, but your show has been keeping me going. Keep up uh, and all the best, says Dominic. Wish you well as well, Dominic. I hope things work out for you and you'll be back working again before you know it. Brian says, I worked in a bakery in Old Marketplace, Lawrence McCarthy's. He had three shops in town, one on the North Main Street, one in Dawn Square, and one on Oliver Plunkett Street. Bread and cakes were top class, says Brian. Thank you for that. I mentioned a whole lash of bakeries, I think maybe on Tuesday's program, and I didn't mention that, but you're absolutely right. The one that I remember is McCarthy's um, on Dawn Square. It's where the the three mobile phone shop would be now, wasn't it? Because I remember you could literally look right in all through the plate glass, and behind the counter was just shelves upon shelves of loaves of bread. May have been cakes there, but I certainly remember the bread. Lots of other emails on different topics of conversation, which I want to get through as well. Um, this is upsetting, he says. I'm having a real bad time of it at the moment. I'm in a B&B for over a year since I came home from out foreign after many years away. I'm in the B&B now. He says due to COVID-19, but I'll, I'll read it anyway, nonetheless. I haven't seen my wife 
or my four-year-old daughter since March of 2020 because of restrictions. Uh, living in a B&B isn't easy as I have no access to kitchens. Uh, so most days, uh, it's not healthy food that I eat. I have no facilities to wash clothes. I have one pair of tattered runners and one pair of jeans that I wash by hand. I'm absolutely fed up with my life. I love to go out walking through the Lee Valley, but I had to stop because the soles on my runners are worn out. It's pretty demoralizing to have people look at your shoes and think, I'm dirty because my shoes are dirty. It's pretty demoralizing to have to wash one pair of jeans by hand in a tiny hand sink every few days. I have no confidence to go to interviews because it's obvious if I show up looking like that, I'm not going to be given a shot at a job. Viewing apartments is the same, not to mention nearly 99.9% of places don't accept HAP, even though it's illegal for them not to accept it. They just say they gave it to someone else more suitable. They never call back. I just feel down and out, and more so as each day passes. I hope to get to read this out. Don't give out my details, yours, etc. Now, clearly, that chap didn't want to come on the air either. I think it's... I mean, I, I don't understand why, because of restrictions, you, you aren't able to see your wife or four-year-old daughter. I mean, uh, that's quite personal to you. I, I know that, and I don't want to delve, but I don't think the restrictions would prevent any of that. Uh, but living in the B&B with no kitchen, of course, and you have to be out all day, is typical of what it's like for people living in bed and breakfast these days. And, of course, the diet wouldn't be the greatest. But it, we're back to hap again, and we're back to the fact that you have money for rent but can't get it, even if it were just a one-bedroom apartment. God knows, even a bedsit where you could provide for yourself and, you know, you'd have at least the facilities. I've read it out, and if I do hear of anything from anybody that may be able to help you, I will pass on your details, my friend. Also, um, if you're badly stuck for a pair of jeans or uh, a pair of runners, come back to me and I'll sort that for you. Not a bother in the wide earthly world. So I know you're listening. Um, don't be afraid to come back. Don't be embarrassed. We'll fix that at least so you've got comfortable walking shoes and a new pair of jeans. How about that? Okay, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I want to revisit another story. I spoke to Bridget back in February. She was a great character. She was in a panic at the time to get a wedding dress. If I remember correctly, she had got a wedding dress from China and when it turned up um, you wouldn't you wouldn't wipe down the kitchen you wouldn't wipe down the kitchen worktop with it it was so small and flimsy so it was absolutely useless uh, and that was my conversation with her at the time then Claire from Cinderella's closet got involved came to the rescue and we found her her dream dress so that was back in February the clock was ticking at the time because she was getting married in in, uh, in April it happened she got married and she's delighted with life Bridget good morning Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm great. And I saw the lad showed me some photographs yesterday of you, and you looked a million dollars. Tell us Thank about tell us about the day. Tell us about yourself and John's special day. Oh, it was magical. It was really so relaxing, romantic, loving. There was no pressure, no 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 pandemonium of crowds looking for photographs. <laughs> Nothing like that. Uh, because of restrictions, yeah, yeah. The the lovely thing was that you got your man in the end because you had a crush on him. Remember you were saying you had a crush on him since I you were did. 16, wasn't it? 30 years, 30 years, Neil, and I got him. But he was always with other girls and you thought that he would never look at you. Uh, well, what it was, I was a 
bit too young. He was a bit older, so he was he was older than me. He was popular. I wasn't popular. So he didn't know I existed, really, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I know. And then you hadn't seen each other for years and years, wasn't it? And one day you were out walking Bailey the dog? No, no, I was down in Bannistrand with my dogs. And Bailey got sick with parvitis. Okay. And I rang my dad. And my dad said he'd send down John McCarthy, but there's loads of John McCarthy's. So I didn't know who John McCarthy was that was coming down. I didn't recognise John McCarthy when he arrived. He's good with dogs and pets and he has birds and dogs. And he took the dog away to them. I, I didn't recognise him at all because past years have passed. And um, he took my dog to the Sunbeam. The dog died four days later. Um, he texted me. He, he was texting me ongoing for weeks. And well, three days later, he arrived with a puppy for me, a little terrier, Casper. Uh, now with this dog, and um, then we were just texting, and um, I'd say about four weeks after that, we had our first date in Burger King. And Burger King. What did you? What did you have? A Whopper. No, we had milkshakes. Oh, lovely. Couple of milkshakes. Milkshakes, yeah. Romantic. Couple of milkshakes and away you go. The dress, the dress is just... Where was that photograph taken? Is that in the, in Bishop Lucy Park? Uh, No, no, in the, the graveyard by the registry office. Oh, that would be Christchurch. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Oh my God. Yeah. And his suit is just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, he was looking lovely on the day. Bridget, your hair is divine. I had three hairdressers and um, a makeup artist knocked at my door at 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> to help me. Don't be saying that, you'll get us all into trouble. <laughs> as, as a gift, they came, they were so kind. <laughs> okay, well, we'll move, we'll move swiftly along. So, and, and, so there was no get-together, no reception, nothing because of where we're at? No, what happened, we we had car hired out, so we called to John's sister's house, and they were amazing, they had cakes, balloons, non-alcoholic champagne for us, made a big fuss of us, they were so excited, it was great, the way they... The, the way they Lovely. They, oh, they, they were fantastic with us. Really. How did you feel in the dress, considering the thing from China, you wouldn't, you wouldn't oh, put it I, on a Barbie I, doll? I wanted to walk down Patrick Street. You should have. I know. I the, really did. The woman up I the country did. the other day loved her dress so much and the wedding was so small that she went to her local Tesco and did her shopping in the wedding dress and everyone was delighted to see it. I really felt six foot tall inside that dress. I mean, it really is a great story with such a happy ending. Have you got your forever home together, the two of you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've been living here since September 1992. And I bought this house when I was just 21 years old. And I've been living here all this time um, with my dog and my dad, obviously. And, And now with John. Now with John. So... We have a lovely, peaceful home. Um, 
just well listening done. to you in the morning. Well done. I'm so delighted. And it was so kind yeah. of Claire from Cinderella's oh, Closet. Because I'd say if you were to buy that dress, it would be a pretty penny. It really was. It really was. It really was. Listen, it, when when all this is over, are you going to have a party? Are you going to have a get-together? You deserve it. No, Neil, I wouldn't. Uh, you deserve I, it. You need to put the dress on again at some stage. I do. I really want to do it again. I run. I, I want to get. I want to do it and get more photographs because I felt so confident in the dress. And you're stunning. Yeah, like it's your color. Yeah, and everything, everything went off so beautifully. Lovely. It was just so romantic. Yes, okay. Well, listen, so I wanna, it's okay for me to share that so people can see your beautiful day and the beautiful couple. Yes, thank you so much. Well, well no, done. Nobody, nobody has seen it. Well, they're going to see it now. When I put it up on Facebook yeah. and Twitter, I can tell you that. And, st- and and let people stay away from those Chinese wedding dresses, yeah? Oh, oh Neil, sure. <laughs> when it came, it was only like a communion dress. <laughs> okay well listen you got your man and he's lucky to I have did. you so delighted for you do stay in I'm touch I'm totally blessed I'm blessed okay have a great life do stay in touch stay listening alright thank you ever so much Neil thank you for bye never be thanking me at all it's Claire from Cinderella's Closet on Side made all the difference back after the break call the Neil Prenderville show now 1850 104 Red FM somebody wondering there well I'm actually wondering whether or not Marky and Flame the Lion when they went out for an old scove where they walked to the south side and did he have a couple of pints in the lion's den that lion didn't he end up in Dublin Zoo Neil he mo- if he'd moved to the south side as any sensible lion would have done he'd lived out his days in the lion's den pub near St. Finbar's Hospital Cisterian Ballinlock. I think that pub is gone now. I think that property is uh, all up for sale, but lovely all the same. Just another one that's absolutely terrific and the power of people to help. Do you remember I was talking? I read out the email from the lad whose dad is uh, elderly, but very proud, having lived all of his life and worked all his life in the army, but couldn't negotiate the stairs and needed a stair lift, but couldn't get it. And he was so worried about his dad. Do you recall that without going through it all again? Um, it prompted a call from Timmy and the gang at Able Healthcare. Well, the family or the son has been back to me again. He said, I just don't know where to start. The Able Healthcare lads have been and gone and have done something just amazing for my dad. They fitted the stairlift and my dad has tried it out already and he is just so happy with it. I know the lads from Able Healthcare fit stairlifts every day, but I don't know if they actually realize the impact that it has on the people they do amazing work for. My dad was smiling and I could see the relief in his face when he realized what this meant for him, the difference in his life. I've attached some pictures of the work they've done, uh, but they won't do the job itself or the situation that they did any justice, the photographs. Now, my apologies, I haven't been given the photographs, but I'm I'm sure they're terrific. Uh, I don't know where to begin with thanking people, but Neil, you and the team have helped so much and this wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for you. Uh, Can I just say, Mine is the easy part of the job. That's easy. Happy to be there to do the easy part. But to the people of Able Healthcare, I can't thank them enough for their kindness and generosity and the professional work. They've made a real difference in how my dad's starts and ends his day. Remember, he, he just couldn't go upstairs. They've also kept in contact with me since the call with you, updating me and keeping me informed all the way as to what was going to happen and the time frame involved. 
Timmy and Frank were here and you wouldn't meet two nicer, more genuine people. They asked my dad to hop up on that and try it out for yourself. <laughs> and they gave him every detail he needed to use it and it is very user-friendly, the stairlift. Even to see my dad use it made me smile as I know what it'll mean to him, comfort and peace of mind. From the bottom of my heart, to everyone involved in what has happened, I'd like to express my thanks and gratitude for myself and on behalf of my dad. Although those words can't properly say what this means, the kindness of people during a time when people need it most has just blown me away. Everyone involved here has gone well over and above. Thank you so much. Both of us will be forever grateful. So thank you to Timmy um, and everybody at Able Healthcare. I think we turned that around in a week. Probably less than a week. And that, yeah, probably six days. I mean, that's incredible. So thank you to everybody involved. And I'm so delighted for that elderly man and the difference it will make in his life. Um, text 868 if you have good news stories you'd like to share. But this out of 10, more calls, please, if you don't mind. Fiona, good morning. Hi, me. Good morning. How are you? Oh, my God. I was talking yesterday with people living in rural Ireland, particularly in rural Cork, with regards to, to broadband and stuff like that, where... She, businesses have to go up to the top of a mountain to an old ancient stone to get signal. Did you hear that? I did and I text in just to say it's the same here and you were saying is is it anywhere else around and I was saying it's the same in our house anyway in Castle Martyr. Um my lads, you know, they'd be on their Playstations and playing their games and they're always what complaining. Can, what kind of speed do you out. have? Did you ever do a speed um, test? Yeah, the speed is very bad. I think the up the upload is like five. It was, it was supposed to be like 11. Um, uh, like obviously we're paying for the highest broadband, but that's the only thing that we can get into our house that they can't do anything about it. But I changed provider recently because they said that they give better uh, modems, that it could probably be better. But no, it's only like a week ago and my son said that the upload speed is worse now. Why does, he need an up- why does he need an upload speed? To download updates and whatever on their games. No, but what? tell me what the download speed is then. Okay, so the download, I think the download's only around, do you know what the download speed is? It's only around 5 megabytes. Ah, for God's sake, wouldn't pull skin yeah. off a sausage, for God's sake. You yeah. couldn't even watch a movie with that. Yeah, well, we we do get to kind of watch the Netflix now, but it's more with the games with the lads. But um, I, you know, it's just where we're living. Really, it's just like some parts of Casmart are fine, but it's just our area. It's where we're living. What are you paying? We were. I pay fifty a month for five up and down. Yeah. Good God. Yeah, fifty a month, and it was like it was a bowl provider. It was, it was fifty a month, but. Or just paying because it's um, good. God, unlimited. You pay the price for the unlimited, but basically, it's still not fast enough, really. Yeah, I mean, if you get yeah. into the suburbs, and uh, uh, you know, like I personal from personal experience, forty nine ninety nine, five hundred megs. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Isn't it? so my sister is only over the road, and she's actually more suburb than us. Um, she's in Balmacoda and hers is really fast it just depends on where you're living it's just we're just in that little she got fibre maybe yeah she has the fibre ah, I think sure. it's not coming into Casamart no so that's why it's fast she 2022. has fibre so how yeah. are people going because the same many people will want to move out to the satellite towns and village she can't work out there no definitely not no no, not a, well. Hopefully, they will get it in soon. Because my lads are like, "Can we move house?" And they're like, "No, we can't move because of the internet." <laughs> That's weird. Like, and have you been on to the? Have, have you tried Virgin? They're fantastic. 
No, um, I think it's just everywhere. Like I, I think it's every, It's just our house. It's just where we're living. I think no matter what, they can't get the fibre in. No, but not fibre, but just uh, just another system. Who are you with? At the moment, now I'm with Prepay Power. I was with Sky um, up till like last week. And Prepay are a new thing now. They're saying that they're after bringing it in, that it will be faster because they're using the better modems. But to be honest now, the download speed isn't as good. But seemingly, while they're playing the games, it's meant to be a bit better for lagging. So uh, yeah, but you can't fair, win. What about Vodafone Gigabyte Broadband? Um, doesn't heard, use, it doesn't use lines here. yeah I, I've heard that it's not great here as well so let's see if I, I can find somebody who knows what the best provider and best speed in, in, yeah. in different areas of uh, the county you know maybe yeah, somebody definitely. will give us a steer because that's shocking 50 bucks a month for mm. 5 up and 5 down forget about it yeah yeah it is shocking did, did you recently have a beautiful little baby I did I had a baby girl 6 weeks ago well done. A couple of weeks early, I believe, yeah? Yeah, she was five weeks early. Um, I was brought in, I was just in on the Monday for my antenatal classes and um, they just, they had to bring me in early. I'm type 1 diabetic and there was just a few little complications that they wanted to keep an Best eye on to me be safe, for. yeah. So baby, you're right. Yeah. But I suppose there were a lot of restrictions for your husband, I suppose, going in and out, were there? Yeah, it was shocking. Well, look, we all know the COVID-19 and, and it's best to be safe for the mothers and the babies and everything. But it's just, it is terrible on the on the partners or the husbands because they, they don't get to experience the same as the mother does really. And it's just, you know, my daughter was in um, neonatal for five days. So it was just so tough kind of going up. I had a C-section as well. So I it was just know. Going up and down yeah, on my own. and. And I was in five days before that, so it was like so long without seeing your family, your I husband, know. really. If they were allowed in for an hour, like what I saw yesterday, they may be leaving people in for an hour, there's even an, if you had that hour. There's an that app hour now. To help the mom. Do you know if that app is up and running? There's an app now where the where the partners or whomever, I think they call it, what do they call it, the designated visitor or something like that? Okay. No, can can log on and, and book an hour? Oh, well, that's great, because that's just new. So, like, it wasn't there when I had my daughter. Um, so that's obviously just all new. But, yeah, it was really tough going into neonatal and not even being able to get a hug off your husband. I know. You tough. know, just after having a baby, if you had that hour, at least, and, and even when you, like, even for me, having a section, having to pack my bags to leave, you know, normally your husband does that. You know, it's it's just stuff like that, really. It makes you know, a big difference. Tough. It makes a big difference. That hour would be brilliant for mothers. For okay. but, it really will. But all home now and all well. All home and well, thank God. Apart from the broadband. Yeah. Apart from the broadband. Baby Bethany Rose. Bethany Rose, <laughs> beautiful name. Listen, there's yeah, a company called East. Does it go after your mom? Is your mom Bethany? My mom is Beth, and my her twin sister is Rose. And then she, her middle name is Hannah after my dad's mother. She died in the airplane Tuscarach crash. So she's called us after a lot of us. Is that right? She was on the Aer Lingus Viscount, was she? Yeah, my, my grandmother, yeah. Was Hannah Burke. Oh, dear. Listen, yeah. um, it's lovely talking to you. Best of luck going forward. There's a company called East Cork Broadband. Give them a bell. See what they can promise you. Might make a difference. Right, she will definitely. I'll try them. Take care, Fiona. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers for now. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Could you please put me in touch with Timmy? 
the man who spoke about young people not being up for proper work or apprenticeships. I'm currently looking for work after losing my job due to COVID and I'm sure I could change his perspective on young people regarding being able to do a proper day's work, says Daniel Condon. I'm happy to do that. I hope it works out for you. Uh, On broadband, we don't have broadband at all in Waterfall, which is just outside Bishopstown. Is that like shocking or what? I live in Carrigaline, a place called Moorland, just a minute's walk from the village. On a good day, we get 10 megs download. All of the work has been done for our upgrade. 10 megs. The original date for the completed project was December last year. Then we were given February, then April, and now we're told we don't expect it till August. Tracton is in the same boat. When you're saying the work's been done for the upgrade, I imagine what you're saying is to get fibre. Uh, I live in the Borland Valley. A number of self-employed people living here together with school kids, second and third level. Two teachers and elderly people who need personal alarm systems. We have zero broadband and we're unable to get it. We're in danger of losing businesses from our lovely area, says Kathleen. Losing businesses. I thought they were encouraging more people to live and work in rural areas. That'll never happen with broadband that's either negligible or zero. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. What calls after 10? Just a few texts ahead of the news. Uh, it's heartbreaking as parents looking at your children postponing their weddings. We dealt with this yesterday. There is no difference between outdoor drinking and indoor drinking. People still loosen up. Something should be done for weddings. Well, there is a little bit of a change with regards to weddings, as we know. I know it's been tough on those who get who uh, were to get married in the last 14 months and had to cancel because of COVID. They will get a chance uh, to say, I do, eventually. But what about those who lost loved ones in that time and couldn't be with them or give them the send-off that they deserved? We need to put things in perspective. Those people won't get another chance. Just remember, there are lots of families still grieving. Someone we know died and his dad died a month later. So imagine how that family felt not being able to give two amazing men a fitting send-off. Uh, cheers, says Margot, saying that people will eventually get the wedding that they want, as opposed to loved ones who die during COVID. Uh, we're supposed to get married in, we were supposed to get married in Spain 2020. We obviously had to cancel due to COVID. We're now to get you to get married on the 8th of June. It changes to 25 people on the 7th. So we made it by a day. Lucky isn't the word, says Patrick and Neave in Blackrock. Well, good luck with that. I wonder, does that mean that you can have entertainment when the wedding gets slightly it doesn't actually get slightly bigger. It's kind of the same indoors. But if you're an outdoor wedding, do you have a band? Um, I have a wedding in two weeks' time. I was asked to the church, but not to the afters. Do I have to give money to this couple for a mass I don't even want to go to? <laughs> Did you want to jump in on this? Like, just... Sorry, I'm just sitting here going, yes, yeah, you, you do. Why? You've been invited. Because you've been invited to a no, wedding. No, 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 I want the food. I want the free bar. Come <laughs> no. on. Stop that. That's not what a wedding is about. How much do you give then? Surely you'd give less now because all oh, you're doing Neil. is going into a church. Oh no. my God, you're sounding like Scrooge. Of course you wouldn't. It is someone's wedding. You give them the same gift you'd give them if you were attending the entire event. Kivid. Mm, but that's down to individuals, isn't it? No, because they were saying yesterday 200 euro. I would have said that, yeah. But Between no. 150 and 200, yeah. No wedding dinner, no free bar. But that's not what no the, band, the no wedding. No bands, no boogie. The wedding is the church. That's the celebration of the wedding. The wedding is the church. I, uh, okay. Thank God I'm not going to any weddings this summer. <laughs> Thank God you're not coming to mine. 
don't like wedding invitations, to be honest with you. Oh, that's good to know, so. <laughs> okay, well, let's just segue into your real job then, shall we? I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show And you can text 0868104106 Let me go back down to a story that we dealt with yesterday on air and this was the uh, proposed uh, extension of the Greenway, the walk which ultimately would take you pretty much from the marina all the way to Passage eventually uh, using the water and using the old railway line so it would take you from say for instance Rochestown, Hop Island all the way to Passage Uh, but there's been disagreement as to where the actual greenway should run. Should it run along the shore or is being proposed now? They're proposing to change it so that it runs across the road. Some of the issues involved, uh, I'm told, had to do with some with the residents, particularly of St. George's Place. Uh, and they have a residence association down there and feel that maybe to some extent they've been misrepresented. And to correct that, Elizabeth joins me by phone. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How and, are you? I, and you're representing all of the 32 homes, are you? Are you just speaking That's for yourself? Right. I'm re- representing uh, the 32 homes. Uh, that would be 20 in St. George's Place, 10 in Island View, and two detached houses just beyond St. George's Place going towards Passage. Okay. And you say the information is very loose and you're being vilified and it's upsetting. Just talk to right. me about all of that. Okay, I will. Now, um, to be quite honest, um, we are being harassed and, and vilified and intimidated and bullied. Particularly on social media, and uh, it's all very upsetting to our residents, as there is a lot of misinformation out there. We are not. uh, We are here in St George's Place in particular uh, for the last fifty years, and uh, these homes are owner privately owned for the last fifty years, and um, and Island View has. uh, Some of them are under council. Some of them are not under a not. So um, we're representing the whole area. Um, we have um, a common, St. George's has a resident association for yeah. the last 25 years. Yeah. So we're representing the, the, the whole 32 houses. Now we are being bullied and intimidated. And, you know, um, certain people refuse to accept the democratic process and they don't like it. And I have to wonder why. So, and we were very relieved when Route 3 was chosen um, because uh, we were had very, very severe and uh, uh, grave concerns about our safety okay. and uh, security and our privacy. And also for the beautiful, special protected area, equally okay. for that. Okay. So what are what are your concerns? Um, because my understanding of it was one of the objections was from residents that they didn't want the walkway or the path um, being put adjacent to their back garden. Why is that a concern? Well, it should be literally at the bottom of their gardens, Neil. Yeah. Literally at the bottom of their gardens. And with the tide, with the tides it has to be raised up so it has to be either level with our gardens that they'd be right into our, our homes right. or even higher Okay, because of the titles you know the t- but what if there was a fence or shrubbery or they, if they put as many people do beech trees that, that, that thicken out no, you're still there's still people are going, still going to have access to our properties it's but I mean the, the okay. people understood where exactly they want to put it 
it is literally at the bottom of our gardens. And I know people will want anything like that at the bottom of their gardens. Okay, okay. So we have grave concerns about our security and our safety. And in fairness... Why is, why is security an issue? Just explain your, your thought process there. Because easy access to our properties. For burglary. And uh, yes, for burglary, burglary, anti-social behaviour. And how will you please that? That how would you please it? I see what you're saying. I see so what you're late saying. Late night, late night, anti-social behaviour and everything. You know. And, and do you think and that I'm that's inevitable? That that will happen? I mentioned that because I got a text in there yesterday. Of course, have, of course it is inevitable. Of okay. course it is. Now, in fairness, Neil, I have to say the residents uh, maintain our own area. We maintain. We have maintained it for years. And we also are part of the development, Roast and Development Core Group that helps to maintain and enhance the core area. Okay. So, like, we are in, we are, um, we do community work and also we are giving up uh, as well for this, the roof to go down. Our on street parking is, will be gone. And also, we're giving part of our greenway to enhance the, the, so, the greenway for all users. And so, forgive me for asking this now, but the, the residents that you represent, all 32 homes, do you have direct access to the shore? Yes. Yeah. And. Has that anything to do with the fact that you want to keep the direct access for yourselves? No, well, in fairness now, when you mean direct access from our backs, no. Uh, a lot of the properties wouldn't have. Okay. There's only about two houses. But you can get you can get onto the shore from um, up beyond the... Okay, uh, okay. Up, beyond, and up by Hartley's Key. You can get onto the shore there. Anyone can, can come onto the shore. And do you That's know that, that they're already... Because there is an existing greenway left and right of you, obviously. And do you know if there's antisocial behaviour or drinking and noise there now, these days, anyway? At the, at the moment, there is on yeah. the strands now at night time. In part, of the, this has brought antisocial okay. behaviour. Okay, well, I understand we your concerns. And in fairness, Neil, we are working closely with the City Council and we will work with them going forward. Because I got a text in yesterday saying, I can understand the residents' concerns in Rochestown. This pathway, uh, there was a pathway put 10 yards from our house in Ballancolig. The noise from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. is continuous. Before this pathway, there was silence. We asked the council to at least put plants along the fencing to give us back some privacy. Eight months later, we have nothing. You see, that probably backs up your worries, you know. Yes, we have very grave concerns. We have have very grave concerns. So we are... Would you be worried that maybe people would get into your houses using it to burgle the house when you're out? Absolutely, absolutely. We we have no crime here. No, very little crime. None. We have never had guards to our doors or anything like that. We have very little crime. We're a very quiet community. And, uh, you know, and and they're... they're beautiful, yeah. you know, and you know, and the greenway out the front has been there for the last fifteen years. Yeah, and but yeah, I know. So, so the development would go out onto the main road where you'd have families and children and walkers and cyclists. Well, have you seen the plans, Neil? Have you seen the proposed plans? Because uh, the council have come up with a very, very good plan. Okay. They are going to um, narrow the road and move the road to the south, which is across the road. So okay. they're widening it over there. And also they're putting a buffer between the road and the greenway. It'll be, yeah, it'll be separate. Yeah, but I suppose in an ideal world, people would want to boardwalk all the way along the, the estuary, you know, where they'd be 
closer to the but, water and, and nature and, you know, birds and oh, plants and, and, and shrubs. Like, and to, be, to be fair, uh, and I can understand that, and I, I do understand that, but to be fair, for the 300 metres, that's fair, mm-hmm. that's, which you're only talking about, 300 metres. Okay. I suppose the question is, would anybody else be happy with it if it wasn't there, just at the back of their back garden? And the answer probably would be no. Yes, and you see, we do have very grave concerns. We do have very grave concerns. And I feel they have been addressed by the council. And um, and the route that they're proposing, um, is it's only 300 metres. It really is only 300 metres you're talking about. And it, is this... Is this finalised now? or Because I got the impression no, yesterday no, from Terry no, Shannon that it still no, might be at the end of your garden. Well, as far as I know, that the only proposed route that's going out there now is Route 3. The road. As far as I know. Yeah. Yes, the road. Okay, yeah. okay. So, and right. also, we had, there, there is a beautiful protect, special protected area there. And I, you know, yeah. okay. I, was, I was in Loch Man. It's absolutely, so... I mean, even if you look across the way, the birds aren't over on the other side where the walkway is. They're all on this side because it's there's nobody disturbing them. And they would be disturbed, you're saying, if the if the pathway went down it along that be, area. Yeah. It would be very much disturbed. We have curlews out there at the moment, and as you know, they're nearly distinct, uh, extinct. Okay. We have. Okay, yes, no, I, I, I understand yeah. your I understand your concerns. Who of us would want it at the bottom of our own garden? I suppose when you think of it, um, the harassment, the intimidation, and the bullying online is clearly not acceptable. Are people being very unkind? They are being very unkind, and also when this started, we have we have been harassed at the back of our properties as well, and the council had to come down and put up uh, private um, notices for us. What you, what is that harassment? Are people shouting at you? No, not trying coming up into our gardens. Like they were coming into our gardens, having a look and things like that. That's not that's not right behaviour. We wouldn't do that to anybody else. Oh God, people have some nerve, don't yes. they? They do. They do, I'm afraid, and that's what we've been putting up with. Okay, so tough times at the moment, but hopefully you figure that this will be resolved sooner rather than later, and it won't be at the bottom of your garden. Sorry. I said sooner or later a decision will be made and you hope that decision will be that it won't be at the bottom of your garden. Oh yes, that, well, yes, we fervently hope that it will be going okay. in our favour. Okay, well. we will, because as the, the, the boardwalk, if it came into existence, would have to be either level or higher than our property. Norma, who's a resident in the area as well, has phoned to say it is a special protected area and a heritage area as well and the wildlife needs to be protected and left alone. Okay, alright. Okay. Elizabeth, do stay in touch. Thank you for calling on behalf of all of residents down there, all 32 of them. Take care for now. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Love to get your thoughts. Text 0868104106 as to whether you should be paying full whack if you get an invite to a wedding but there is no afters. Text on that and if so, how much should you be given? 0868104106. Meanwhile, uh, we are all aware of issues with regards to the issuing of passports. Here's a typical example. Vicky says, you should be talking more about the topic of passport services, where you had to send paperwork that's being stored until we go from level five to level four. I've checked the website this morning. There are no updates with regards to big, big delays in issuing passports. Not that you'll get to use them anytime soon. Although, having said that, Mary is raging because people are using passports and they are traveling. Mary, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Now, I do not want to know where you live in any way, shape, no. or form. I'm not interested in any of that. But the rest no. of the story is fine. So, why are you so why are you so annoyed? I'm annoyed because myself and my daughter go to Cyprus every year for two weeks holiday and yeah. we look forward the whole year to go. I have a friend, lifelong friend in Portugal who keeps saying to me, come over. I'm sitting here looking out the window. I have friends um, near me and they have been to Greece in February and three days ago they've put up on their Facebook page photographs of them out in Mexico. <laughs> now, what's annoying me, Neil, is oh, that... I know for a fact that they're doing, they're going from here to where they can go to and then find a way to get to the next country. It's not on. They're going to come back from there. I, I would love packing my bag in the morning and go to Portugal. But at 68 years old, I am terrified. A retired nurse, and I'd rather not go anywhere. Mm. I go to the local shop, and even at that, I, if someone comes to the door, I put a mask on. I'm living in fear. I have no underlying conditions, but I'm just terrified of COVID. I, I haven't I haven't looked at the red list country in a while now. I don't know how many countries are on it anymore. I'd say loads and loads of them. But they certainly would have to be coming back after with, with, with negative COVID tests, wouldn't they? Or else they're into well, quarantine. But, but Neil, that's not the point. That's not the point. There's one law for one and one law for the other. The point is, as, as we all know, the most dangerous place is to be in an aircraft the air conditioning is circulating and this is way back saying this is where people got it but is is it is it right is this are they loud or are they doing this undercover I mean I'm furious are they aware of what's going on at all that they'd be putting up photographs on Facebook showing where they are yeah. showing off yeah. they are no they're, they're aware they don't do they they don't care Neil there's people out there that don't care it's like the anti-masking crowd they don't care they want to live and enjoy life. We all do, but in a safe way. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just annoyed. I, I, I would love. To are you annoyed or are you, are you jealous uh, or of their bravery? Eight years old, Neil. Would I be jealous? No, 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 no. no I'm not jealous. I, I'm just, I'm cautious and I'm worried about what they could bring back and spread to people. Yeah, in this country, yeah. that's that's what that's what I'm annoyed about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I Mexico, Jesus Christ, and you know, no, no. I, I'm just maybe they're getting cheap. Maybe there are cheap deals available now, and that some people, regardless of where we're at, just think, okay, there's an opportunity to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go ahead away, and when I come back, I'll get the COVID test, and it'll be negative, or I'll go into quarantine for the two weeks, and to hell with the curtain twitchers. But then why can't we all do it? Can we all do it? Mm. I've had my first jab. I'm waiting for my second one. It could be up to anything up to three months. And then I will get in my car and I will drive to my sister in Mayo. But at the moment, Neil, for the last 12 months, I'm stuck in the house, very, very cautious of going anywhere. Yeah. You can go to Mayo on Monday. But I won't because she's older than me and I haven't had my second jab. I yeah. will not. Yeah. I will not do it. Yeah. I, I would wait until I know. And even after that meal, I would still be cautious. You see, not everybody feels the same as you do anymore. There's a few here. We all need to mind our own business. Stop the curtain twitching. Somebody else saying, if she doesn't want to travel herself, don't. What other people do, none of our business. See those kind of ones? I, I do want to travel. 
I do want, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to go to Cyprus, but it, it won't be till next year. And if the if COVID is still around next year, Neil, I won't go then either. You're a surely be the God you'll get to Cyprus in August. I won't go this year now because, no, my daughter takes so, so many days off work and no, I won't get it this year. But Portugal, I'd love to go in August. But I would sit back and think very carefully about going. But I just think that these people that get on the plane and go somewhere and don't give a damn about others and come back and just... No, I, I'm just, I'm, I just, I can't understand the irony of it. Texter here says, I know a family of six it. going to the Algarve on Saturday. It's crazy. They have no regard for others. Whole family off no. to the Algarve on Saturday. No, no, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go, Neil. I tell you what, now. You could go, though. Um, you could go. Nothing holding you back from going, apart from your I conscience. Be, I would be very nervous. I would be very, very nervous at the moment. The numbers are still not down enough in, in Ireland, and I still would. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen next month. It could go either way, and that's there all the time. We don't know. The numbers could go back up again, and especially with the summer coming, Neil, I would just... Have you anything planned at all, even a hotel or a B&B, self-catering, a hostel, no, no, rent no, house? No, I haven't. No, Nothing. I, 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 Neil, I, I'm too responsible. I'm, I'm a responsible person. And but I, in I, June, I, in June, would you not go away for the weekend to a hostel or to a, host, a hotel? I'd still be cautious. I, I, I just watching this for the last twelve months made me extremely. But you've nervous. had the first jab. Yeah, you'll be in a sanitized area in the hotel. There'll be limited numbers. You know, I mean, yeah. like wear your mask no, and no. off you go. No, no, and I no. Even I was saying to my daughter the other day. Even next year now, if this has gone gone well, even every year now in the winter when the flu season is in, you'll see me wearing a mask. I will wear a mask from now on until the day I'm taken out in the brown box. When you have two jabs of the vaccine. I've had one. Yeah, when you've had two jabs, you need to take your life back. You need to get back to your old life. Life Life will not be worth living if you're going to be living in fear and trepidation and worry. Well, I, I would I prefer I would prefer to have one fantastic year than ten years of this or twenty years of this. I really would. Yeah. Well, I, I would you not I, be the, the same? Last, no. Well, the last weekend, now the last beautiful weekend we had, I drove out to the beach, and I have difficulties. I've no underlying condition, but I have difficulties in walking. I walk with a stick, and I got out to the beach, and ahead of me I could see the crowd, and I just got back in my car and came home. Now that's depressing, but. I'm just so nervous, Neil. I'm just so nervous of catching anything and passing it on to other people, you know? I know, I know that. And nothing I can say can convince you otherwise, even though you would have been on a beach and the outdoors and the fresh air away from people with a mask on and one vaccine in your system. Come on. I sit, I sit in my garden. I'm I know, happy I know. in my well, garden. Well, if you're happy, that's fair enough. Would you, w- yeah. would you be inclined to say anything to the neighbours, No. Um, they're not neighbours, they live in the next town. Oh, me. in the next but, town, okay. Um, you know of yeah. them, all right, okay. okay. And I'm only friends with them on Facebook. All right. But, um, do you know, Neil, what's the point? What's the point? They're going to do it again, so what's the point? Well, it's a bit like the other story this morning. Up goes the marquee, 120 go to a wedding, even though there's guards and council there, it's the two fingers to everybody else. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, Neil, I, Neil, one more sentence before I go. All right. Um, and I won't mention any area. The last time the restaurants come pubs, we're open. Now, myself and my friends, were all retired. We meet for a cup of coffee and a fag about three mornings a week. A, cer- a certain place, 10 euro 
had to be spent before you had a cup of coffee. We couldn't go in and have a cup of coffee, sit down in a chat with a fag. We had to spend minimum 10 euro. Now, that's another, that's another side of it. That's the um, nine euro meal that was in place at the time. Well, we weren't having a meal. We, all we wanted was a cup of coffee. And between the six of us, we would have paid over 10 euro. But we had to spend a minimum of 10 euro each for a cup of coffee. What, we, what was, was that? Was that a pub or a gastro pub or something? It was a pub come restaurant. There you go. Well, that wasn't their fault. That was the, the rule at the time. Nine euro. Otherwise, you've had a gastro pub full of people sitting down drinking cups of coffee. No money in that. <laughs> I know. Anyway, Pete. Uh, Look after yourself. Me, Take care. Cheers, Mary. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You got an opinion on that? You can also text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I need to take a break. Come back in a moment. Talk to Trevor. Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Oh my God, that was so great! I just heard an ad for the Opera House. That's fantastic. It may well be for next year, but they're advertising events and gigs and concerts and productions and. Mario Rosenstock, that's got to be good. I can't come on air, but a lot of people may not want to mix with the public as they don't, as they won't have a vaccination. Uh, I'm a high risk and a hairdresser. I won't have my second vaccine till the end of June, so it will be mid-July before I would be happy to return. That's just picking up, I suppose, on a couple of the points that Mary was making a while ago. But back to the phone lines we go. Shane, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? Well, my man, you wanted to pick up on Mary and her annoyance with people flying to uh, Cyprus and flying to Mexico and the family going to the Algarve on Saturday. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just um, I was just listening to Mary there, and I was um, I was very kind of I suppose taken aback by her the way she spoke about her neighbours and things. And how she was so worried about other people, but yeah. I think people should be uh, allowed to live their own lives now at this stage of the pandemic with okay. all the, the science out there. Okay. Uh, does that include a marquee up the country for 150 at a wedding and all that kind of thing? No, no, no I don't agree with that um, at all, but with the negative PCR test and... Um, if you come back with a negative test, you should be able to go to Cyprus or Mexico. Yeah, I believe so. I think it's time um, we move on at this stage of the pandemic safely like if you, if you have a negative PCR test I do think we have to continue living life okay you mentioned in your text brainwashing and social anxiety talk to me about that yeah I think um, you can see there how how afraid people are um, to go out to go out and about and I think it is safe to, uh, for people to go, to mix um, and that the media has really kind of probably scaremongered people um, they've been reporting on numbers daily, and yes, they were they were a long time before they started reporting how many people were vaccinated and things on the news. So I think it's it's been a one sided approach by the media. I a hundred percent agree with that. That we got the COVID deaths and we got the positive cases, but we yeah. don't get a daily update alongside those numbers of the amount of people vaccinated. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I think people have been. Um, I think with the COVID deaths and things, elderly people have been very afraid, even though um, a, lo- a lot has been uh, probably with other conditions and things like that that um, I, I think have been related to, to COVID. And Do you hold media responsible for that? Pardon? Do you hold media responsible for the brainwashing? Oh, yeah, I do. I think they're, they're the people who give the message to the country, really, um, on, on, on the news daily. So I do think they are apparently responsible in how they deliver and 
that it should be more a fair-sided approach rather than all the, the fear-mongering for older people that are out there. 1.6 million people have been vaccinated when you combine the first and the second dose. The vast majority of them, well over a million, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Is that a bit more balanced, do you think? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. The vaccine rollout's picking up, but I just think it's... Um, I, I really kind of... Uh, I gripe with the way it's been presented on the media in the past few months. I think it's been, like, I'm not sure what the cases are of COVID in Cork now at the moment, but it, it, I think it's pretty good around the place for such a large county. And it's still being, we've been locked up for for too long. I think it's time we... Yeah, uh, and, give me the, and give me the figures for uh, two or three days ago for Cork. 16. Yeah. I mean, Big Neil, county like, for 16 positive cases, right? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, and especially when it's uh, so spread out the county and, and everything, like, uh, I mean, 16 cases, Jesus, I'm not sure how many people are in Cork, but it, it spread out over the whole county, that's um, pretty amazing that people still have such a fear over something like that, something like this. Yeah, I know. What would you say to people yeah. who lost loved ones who were buried in sealed coffins? Yeah, I've, I've used sympathy for them. I think they've been... Probably, I think, with all regulations of 10 at the funeral, I can imagine it can be very tough and things like that. So um, I think it's it, 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 it's been very tough on them. And I think it must be very hard to take when you listen that there's 16 cases in Cork and that only, t- well, I know it's gone up to 25 now, but there's big churches near in Cork and... Uh, and they're still mostly empty, which you could, uh, I think they could be done safely based on the size of a church. Size of the interior of a church. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. you taking the call. Much obliged. I need to talk to John. John, good morning. How are you doing? Good. Um, you want to pick up on Mary uh, and these people in the next village who went from Cyprus home and from home yeah. to Mexico. Yeah, I mean, like, look, if they're able to do it, if they're allowed to legally do it, then they should they should do it, you know, because there's a huge amount of scaremongering going on within the media, and I think the Irish media has been particularly bad with this because, as far as I'm aware, the Irish media are the only ones showing numbers around the world, death numbers on a daily basis, the, the cases and the death numbers, and they're setting up these COVID centres, basically, you know, positive banks for, uh, basically, testing banks to get positive cases and in, and actually RT have been that's, actually spreading that's, that's incorrect. The, no, but I mean, the, the reason that they're testing is because they want to trace people. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, honestly, the test and trace system is completely and it, uh, I actually was uh, a near contact of a COVID case in December and actually my mum and my uh, niece got COVID. A lot of people did actually within my family. But um, the test and trace system, I mean, the PCR test system, rapid antigen test should have been in long before December where you could get a result within 10, 15 minutes and then you could tell. Whereas my niece got COVID, she didn't know for two days. Then two days later, the whole family are getting calls about um, you know our close contact mm. when if they had done a rapid antigen test on her within 10 minutes she would have 15 minutes she would have known if she had COVID you could do rapid antigen tests but all the money has been spent and these people calling us for a half an hour per person do you know what I mean the labour force with regards this this call okay. and they set up for the contact okay. tracing alright that's, well, that's a well made point but how and ever how can you be talking about scaremongering when one person uh, passed on COVID to lots of your family members. 
Because I'm saying scaremongering because the actual the danger of of the virus. You know, it's like I'm pretty sure I had it myself. Actually, believe it or not, in December 2019, I was in New York with my girlfriend. Um, she lives in New York, and uh, she. Uh, this is before the virus came out, and I think. It, to be honest with you, I'm almost certain I had it now because I'm the only one who didn't test positive. So I must have had some sort of antibody response. Amazing. You, yeah, know? you, had, all, you had many um, of the symptoms, did you? No, I didn't, I didn't have any symptoms. And actually, to be honest with you, I've heard a lot of people... Well, how do you know you just weren't lucky then? Well, I was right next to them, you know. And I'll, my girlfriend also got an antibodies test um, in New York. Uh, so she knows that she did actually have COVID and she was gone for three days. We went to the doctors, like she was in bed for three days back in December 2019. Went to the All doctor, right. they tested her for different stuff. And, but and they said, the oh, listen, by the way, you also had COVID. But, okay, people need to start living their lives, you say, and if families can go to the Algarve or Mexico, they should, is it? They absolutely should, yeah, because the virus isn't as bad as we're making it out to be. And what I mean by scaremongering is this lockdown scaremongering as well. I mean, if you look at the numbers in the U.S., you have two states, Florida and California, that had identical, that have basically identical demographics, identical uh, sort of uh, latitude uh, lines of... Um, Basically, the climate is the same. They have the same amount of old people. They have the same demographics of people with regards to uh, diversity. Now, the thing about those two states is one implemented the strongest lockdown with a complete mask mandate, and the other implemented no lockdown. And who did better with the numbers? The numbers were all identical. The lockdown made absolutely no difference. Mm. But the problem is... It's so how did, how did we get huge numbers in January after everything was relaxed at Christmas? Because every, every... Um, if you look, actually, I would, I would advise people to look up Ivor Cummins on YouTube. I've actually followed Ivor for a few years. He talks about heart-related stuff a lot, so it's good to... Because I'm very much... Uh, and that's another thing, over the last few days on your show, of listening to people. I think people need to, instead of, like thinking medically they need to just start thinking holistically and how they can keep themselves healthy okay that's, like, for, that's you know, for another day to explain to me the numbers in january day. so the numbers in january uh we have our flu spike seasons and basically in a flu season you're going to have excess deaths and RTE have actually you know missed um, represented the excess death numbers on TV. I've seen it myself. So people who died in January died from flu, not COVID-19. Well, no. Uh, if you actually look year by year, so if you look at 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, if you look at the excess deaths, uh, in we we always you just don't hear about it, and that's why I'm saying it's we always have these spikes. COVID has been worse, but it is a novel virus, and that's the reason it has been worse. Whereas back we had a really bad one in 2017. Nobody knows anything about that. And we and we don't have deaths from that, do we? 2017 that flu. Well, we do. If you look, if you look up excess deaths, there is a chart which you can look up uh, every year excess deaths, and you'll see the spike in deaths um, around the flu seasons. You'll see the people, and it's obviously comorbidity. Five and five thousand people flu. died of flu that year, did they? I'm just curious. Um, I, I don't know the actual numbers, but if you look at the graphs, the the graphs are, will tell you okay. a lot more, really, okay. than than. 
the raw numbers, you know, okay. because, you know, obviously it's proportional to, you know, population and everything at the time. No, so it's just I that I, I can't get a figure for 2020 because the CSO hasn't released the full year for 2020 yet. So uh, I can't compare 2020 with 2019, you see. Yeah, but what I'm saying is if you look at the excess debts over the last 10 years, you'll see the same spike every every year. Okay. The same spike. But what RTE did is RTE took a year and a half. They took from the start of the spike to the end of the spike and made it look like it was COVID's fault when you cannot. It's it's so wrong to, like, okay. uh, I'm could an engineer you, myself. You can't do that. You have to take year on year. Okay, could you dig out that? Could you dig out that stat for me and email it to me if you don't mind? If you got a little oh, bit I'll tell you, absolutely. I can get you so much information and like on okay. it. But I would recommend looking up Ivor Cummins. He's straight shooter, Dublin. He's from Dublin, and he talks about basically, you know, um, okay. the stats and the figures. All right, know. okay. I'm going to plow ahead, John. But do that for me. Neil at redfm.ie. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk again. Take care, Seamus. I will. Take it easy. How you doing, Neil? How's it going? Okay, um, just quickly. What part of it that it's just a flu oh, spike? No, it's no different to any other year. Yeah, well, well things into perspective just as a like a bit of a corollary from what he was saying and RTE again um, only last week were uh, pound to the news on on India and like the, the state of India and what's actually happening but when you break the figures down in India um, to date I think as of last week roughly 198,000 people had died with COVID-19 we don't know if it's directly of COVID-19 number one and that's in a population of 1.366 billion people which means in effect uh, I think it's less than 0.015 right. of a percent uh, uh, of the population died. I mean, just to put it into perspective, like if you listen so to... So they RTE, died, with the, I know, I know, but they died anyway, is it from whatever, something else? Uh, well, well, it could be, as they say, it's with COVID-19, well, that's the, the Irish stance in it. And to be honest with you, when you listen to, you know, every time they, they, they release a lockdown, we're on the long, we're an island of 4.6 million people, I think, are thereabouts mostly four, four million in the Republic, okay? Um, an island that's detached really from, obviously, mainland Europe. Uh, the government has failed miserably. I know, well, but whole, we've been, be- uh, I know, know, we, we've we been beating that drum for 12 months now, and I'd say everyone is bored of that, oh, that drum. They, they are, they are. The question they, is whether or not we should be minding our own business if somebody's flying to the Algarve, Mexico or Cyprus. I think ultimately, yes, you should. At the end of the day, your your own role is to look after, like that chap said there, second is to look after your own health. And then they're you inside know, in the I, same I, supermarket when they come back and they may have had a, a negative Neil, test. And Neil, then it all right, Neil, the reality positive. is, like, look, look at the ministers who've, uh, who've screwed up. Look at the Goldgate scandal and all the rest. Don't forget these things. I hope the people don't forget it. Because at the end of the day, well, what was the, the common denominator in terms of responses? Oh, well, they didn't break the law. And that's exactly it. And even when they try to enforce what might be deemed a law, look what the travelling community got away with there yesterday. There's one rule for Go- uh, Golfgate ministers, one rule for the travelling community, and the general law-abiding public are just... Why in the name of God that wedding went ahead? I have no idea. I tell you, I tell you, it's fear. The guards fear what might happen. And the fact that they had to send armed guardy down to it says it all. But didn't the wedding go ahead? Well, Neil, the only one you can ask that question, um, the uh, pose that question to is, is the government. And that's, uh, they have screwed this I country think over. According to the Red Tops this morning, the wedding went ahead. In, the, I, in I the marquee. Go ahead. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. There's probably a car of presents outside it to make sure they don't mingle with the general public. So what good is that? That's just a kick in the teeth of the general law-abiding public. So are you, are you abiding by the guidelines? Straight question. I am. Yeah. I am. All right. Okay. I, I am, but I'm Why are you then? Like a lot of people at the moment. 
Sorry? Why are you? Why aren't you on a flight to Cyprus? Why am I not? Well, that's number one, I can't get a flight out. I fear that if I fly out, I might not get back. That's number one, because the regulations seem to change on a weekly, daily basis. And I don't fear the regulations that that, that occur within mainland Europe or other countries, but it's here. It's this country and the governance of this country that's causing problems and it's causing confusion for the last 15 to 16 months. I think people are sick of it. At the end of the day, there was no uh, publication as well on the number of uh, deaths from flu and only last Christmas, you know? Yeah, but now on the 10th, on the 10th of May, all that will happen. And then on the 17th of May, all retail will open. And then on the 2nd of June, and then the 7th of June, and then all yeah. more in July, and then everything will great. be... Which is great. But do you know what? They, they also made statements. Pascal Dunno who said it last week. We won't rule out any further lockdowns. This is an oil in the 4.6. I don't know why people. he said that when both Varadkar and Martin both said we will never go back to lockdowns. Oh, Varadkar and Martin. They only speak out of both sides of their mouths because they're just playing um, it's tit for tat with them in terms of uh, political power. It's nothing else. Okay. There's no concern for the general public. Okay. Okay. People need to wake up and just see that, you know. Appreciate it. Thanks, Seamus. I'm happy to take another call on this, um, uh, but the, the crux of this is whether we should be mind your own business, really, if people go to Cyprus or go to the Algarve of the weekend or head off to Mexico and post photographs up on, on Facebook. Tim, good morning. Have you got some thoughts on this? I do, Neil. Um, regarding the lady that you interviewed, the uh, uh, retired nurse, um, she should know better. She should do a bit of a research and into the, the vaccine. Uh, on the European Medicines Board, um, on the recently on the uh, frequently asked questions, it, it states that um, this is not uh, this is a vaccine trial until twenty twenty three. So anybody receiving uh, vac- currently receiving vaccinations are receiving them under a vaccine trial. But I would say to everybody, they should check their life insurance policies, uh, car insurance policies, uh, and and uh, mortgage policies in relation to uh, what they say around being involved in a medical trial. COVID-19 vaccine trials are ongoing. Uh, What does this mean for those taking the vaccine? Uh, Apparently, Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus is being given a study completion date of January 2023. Is that what you're referring to? That's correct, yeah. yeah, And that the Moderna studies are expected to end in 2022. Yeah, so it's the cart before the horse, Neil. But they say this is standard practice for monitoring, uh, safety monitoring to continue after a vaccine has been approved for use. Can you follow that part? It's been tested, licensed, and it's ongoing monitoring. Does that make sense? It's it's not under a full license, Neil. It's not under a full license. It's standard procedure. We fact-checked this. It's standard procedure for safety monitoring to continue after vaccines have been approved for use. But it hasn't gone through the full pro- protocols, Neil. It's a vaccine trial. No, I'm, well, and the fact-checking and, uh, that, I, that I got my hands uh, on is from Reuters, who did the fact-checking on it. Yeah, I fact-checked it myself, and the information I read was that this is a vaccine trial until 2023. Standard procedure you know? for monitoring to continue after vaccines have been approved for use. That's not the information that I read on okay. the EMA okay. or the EMB. Okay, so... The European Medicine Board's website. So, are you going to get a vaccine? Absolutely no way am I going to put um, a gene therapy into my body. No way. 
Do you take any vaccines? Do you get a flu jab or anything like that? Uh, I don't get flu jabs, but I have received vaccines and my children have been vaccinated to a point. Do you ever have um, a problem going to countries where you needed to be vaccinated for uh, diphtheria, for malaria, for I've typhoid? Been, I have received vaccines for my work. I worked in uh, wastewater treatment, so I needed to get hepatitis vaccines. I didn't hep, have an issue hep with vaccines. Those. So why are they all okay and, and this one isn't? Because the... Um, the, 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 the what it's supposed to be preventing um, is questionable the COVID-19 but it has a 99.9 or 99.4% recovery rate so why are we getting a vaccine for something that you can recover from so you don't kill the ones that are the 0.6 who, who are the 0.6 oh, well, the old you know I mean? are we talking, the vulnerable talking the, 80, the medically we compromised the, we talk about the 87 year olds again Neil which Did, had to have the good innings do you really believe that? I do. I think if I got to 87, I'd be delighted. I you mean, know? but that that's that's so unkind to say that about that's somebody. Wrong. Yeah, but what about... What Tough about luck, pal. You had a long life. What about my, the trauma that's been caused to children around the country in relation to this spurious narrative? What about them? No, no, you you've just... I mean, there's, no, there's, it's so not much, a, there's so much there's so much more to society than just... Uh, the elderly. Now, my parents are elder, elderly and they have received the vaccines, um, both of them. Uh, I've had other members of my family receive vaccines and I'm very concerned for the outcome, you know, because essentially the vaccine... But if, no, but have is, you thought through that train of thought of yours that, that 12 months ago we all should go into our elderly patients or people, parents or people should go into nursing homes and sit them down and say, awful sad news for you now, but there's something coming down the track and the chances are it's going to kill you. But what the heck, you're 87. I think that's a question you should raise with Simon Harris, by all accounts, because I think there's an invest. There's people that's, investigating that's like, what, went on, what, what went on in the nursing homes. I mean, the government didn't even protect them, by all accounts. No, I know you that, know, I mean, and it was a scandal. Yeah, well, but so, uh, yeah, exactly. You're propagating a form of genocide there, aren't you, with that kind of language? Well, as far as I'm concerned, and I'll be straight up, I think that the, the genocide is yet to happen. From the from the outcomes of the vaccine. Now the vaccine op- works very simply, right? Your immune system is a non-specific response immune system. Okay, and what the vaccine does is we create a specific immune response genetically. So these are gene therapies. That's a correct term. For well, are you vaccine. a clinician now? Are you talking professionally? Well, Neil, I have um, qualifications in process chemical engineering, and I have a qualification in. Uh, biochemical engineering also so I have some knowledge in relation to the creation of vaccines and the processes involved you know okay well you have a lot more you have a lot more qualifications in that area than I do so I can't second guess that but I would be I would be disturbed by um, your you know selecting the elder population for uh, different treatment to the rest of us you are. You're so saying all, hang on. No, no, hang on. They've had a good innings, you say. We all know that hydroxychloroquine is a therapeutic and it works along with zinc. I mean, that's been proven, okay? There's a number of other therapeutics Vitamin out there D, yeah. That can, that, yeah, that can, with vitamin D, that can prevent this. So I don't understand why there's such an outcry to get a, a, an untested gene therapy that has never been used in, the, in history on humanity. And nobody fully knows what's going, what's coming down the line when you change the natural immune system from 
uh, a non-specific immune response to a specific u- immune okay. response. No, I you appreciate I mean? that. I've given you the airtime. I have given you the airtime. Yeah. How, how we got onto that, I don't know. I just wanted to know do people have an opinion on others flying to the Algarve, Mexico, well, and Cyprus. In relation, I, t- I, I, I think, you know, I, I like... I just think this is the greatest load of bumpkin I've ever come across in my life, and it just needs to end as in tomorrow, like or yesterday. Okay, now I, I, get think the, I think the government are operating outside of their remit, as far as I'm concerned, and they potentially could be seeing legal action by people coming down the line. You know, on what I basis would you take legal action against them? Um, so you never, you never. Well, I shouldn't say that people have taken on the state and won in fairness to them. So I yeah, withdraw yeah. what I was about to say. Yeah, but, but on what basis yeah. would you take legal action? I, it would be a group action, I'd say. Quite honest, you know. For what one, side one, effects? One, potential side effects? Is it? Well, they've indemnified the, the pharmaceutical companies. You know, if you may, if you, they haven't indemnified the car manufacturers. You know, so why have they indemnified the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah, I guess cars didn't have the pretension to kill millions of people in one year, you know, or oh, it actually on, and actually killed and actually killed. Come off it, Neil. I mean, everybody knows at this stage. It's a year down the line, and the data is coming out that this is um, manipulated statistics to coerce the population into receiving um, an untested gene therapy under the guise of a vaccination. That's that's where I'm at with it. Like, so you will not take the vaccine. Uh, listen, I will live under a rock before I take that vaccine. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from seven for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Cork's Red FM, officially Ireland's music station of the year. Okay, a few texts then from uh, the younger generation, annoyed with people saying that they don't want to work, or can, and one actually makes out that you wouldn't go for a trade because there's no security working on building or working in construction. You can't get a mortgage. Don't blame young people or the younger generation for not wanting a trade. I'm not sure that that's 100% true. As a young person, I find it very disparaging to listen to the constant putting down of my generation by listeners to your program, particularly in the last few days. Morning, young workers today are routinely taken advantage of, forced into low-paid positions, excluded from climbing the corporate ladder. It's very difficult for a young person to better themselves nowadays as the entry requirement for many jobs are now extremely high. Even people with college degrees find it difficult to get work in their fields. The interview process is ridiculously convoluted for many entry-level jobs. Well, a degree now is uh, what would have been the leaving certificate years back. A narrative has been constructed which paints young people as lazy and young people as entitled. In reality, the working world has changed in a way that a middle-aged person who walked into the job they've had since they left school simply can't understand. The working world has changed now, and an elderly generation or an older generation don't understand that. And that's a text from a person who describes themselves as an entitled young person. To answer the question from somebody, um, do you know if hotels are allowing uh, kids' clubs when they reopen? I can't find any guidance on it. I don't know. Uh, I will check with regards to kids clubs. I imagine what will happen, perhaps with that, uh, certainly with spas and gyms and pools, is that they will all probably will open, but will be appointments like normal. I mean, you would have to have an appointment for the spa, but you probably would need an appointment and a set time 
for the swimming pool within the hotel. As for the kids' clubs, I can certainly check that for you. Uh, meanwhile, quite an amount of texts on this and other things like it. You should be raising these points on your show. One, why, when other countries have dropped COVID-19 restrictions, does Ireland maintain the strictest controls than any other country? Two, why does Ireland ignore who, uh, sorry, ignore who recommendations that masks and lockdowns are not necessary? Three, why are doctors and consultants who question COVID-19 sacked? Four, why are COVID-19 deaths falsified? Ask any nurse. One guy dies of a heart attack, yet it's put down at COVID-19. The figures are never verified properly. Five, why are not the number of non-COVID-related deaths being released? The number of suicides has doubled, yet recording of suicide was stopped in January. Now, I'd have to fact-check all of these. I'm just reading the email. I don't know if um, um, whether or not the recording of suicides was stopped in January. Uh, not anti-vaccine, but anti-vaccines not fully tested. Examples of deaths and severe side effects could be quoted. Anyway, and seven, masks have caused deaths for people with breathing problems. They've been proved not to be effective, says John Finn in Balancholic. Uh, again, I would need to fact check masks have caused deaths for people with breathing problems. But I pass it on for what it's worth. Um, and then one or two other ones. Able Healthcare from earlier this morning. Rachel is wondering, can she get the name of the company that did the work? Able Healthcare. With regards to, um, you know, putting in stair lifts or indeed adapting bathrooms for the elderly. Morning. I was listening to Neil's show the other morning and was wondering, are there any tennis clubs in Cork taking beginners and offering coaching? I would say most, if not all, give coaching. Um, I'm quite sure there are people listening now will get in touch. You don't tell me where you are geographically. 37 years old, but played a bit when you were young. Um, I'll get, I'm sure I get tennis club back, back, coming back to me telling me of the coaching they're offering. But I would imagine that just Google tennis clubs in your locality and you'll find that there's a pro there is coaching. Uh, don't give up my details if you wouldn't mind, but I work for a pharmacy group and had my first COVID-19 vaccine. And my company docked me for the time I left to go and get it. I am appalled. Has this happened to anyone else? I would be surprised if it did. I mean, I think that's just the lowest of the low, to be quite honest with you. Anybody else docked time on the job to go for a COVID uh, vaccine? My beloved uncle of 85 years old died of COVID in March 2020 in St. James's Hospital in Dublin. Nobody could be with him on his deathbed. He died gasping for air. And that guy on air thinks people of that age have had a good innings. It's totally crazy. Another one here. Very upset with that caller. How dare he? I lost my father-in-law last year to COVID. Never a sick a day in his life. A young man, very healthy. He had 20 years left in him. So F him and his let the old die attitude just makes me sick. Uh, that guy is talking absolute nonsense. The spike in January was a direct result of travel and socializing. Somebody else says, here, here. Well done, that man. Morning, Neil. Scaremongering only exists when something isn't... No, I'll come back to that. It makes no sense. It looks like yourself, Neil, and the rest of the mainstream media is after scaring this woman with a fake pandemic, brainwashing her mind into becoming a sheep follower. How much money is Red FM receiving from the government per month for pushing COVID? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, all I can say to you in that regard is that the government take out COVID advertising, which 
is placed in the advertising breaks. But other than that, um, whatever businesses get with regards to COVID assistance for a business that pays tax in Ireland, I'm quite sure that... Uh, Red FM are getting it. Can I can I also say that the staff in Red FM, like many other companies around the country, took significant wage reductions. I don't know if it makes you feel any better. Uh, maybe we're all part of the sheep as well. A smoker afraid of COVID-19? For God's sake. She has no fear of cancer? Um, says John, who's listening in demand in Saudi Arabia. One or two more. Uh, people need to turn off RTE and turn off other fear-mongering media. Feel sorry for this woman who's living in fear of her life. This is Mary who's annoyed with her neighbor or somebody in the next village who's in Mexico. She's living in fear of her life as a result of the media. Does she not realize that even if she gets COVID, there's a 99.9% survival rate? She needs to assess the data for herself and turn off RTE. If she wants to take the vaccine, which she has started the process of, move on. Life is for living. She's had her first jab. Just two more on this. Stop giving airtime. Uh, to this woman it's the likes of her want to isolate for what's left of her life then sure fire away the rest of us want to live and work and have a future for our children and on top of everything else she smokes god give me strength and shona says isn't that ever so sad to hear the scaremongering that's gone on in this country to hear that lady and how sad and afraid she is life has to go on we need to get back to normal I do not want to live in a country full of mask wearers after the vaccine, says Shiona. So thank you for all those texts to 0868104106. Keep them coming and we'll jump in and out. Jerry, good morning. Good morning. Okay. All right. Just your thoughts on it and we'll move along briskly. Go ahead. Well, look, just quickly, I was listening yeah. to that man about putting people, old age people into a home and... Uh, for Christ's sake, what world is he in? I'm 88 last Tuesday. And my family have a problem trying to subdue me doing everything. I'm salmon fishing every Tuesday. I'm trout fishing. And when I was able, I was out shooting. I'm cutting timber and cutting grass and then walking the banks of the function every day. And I'm in perfect health at 88 years of age. What the best thing he could do is go under that stone he was talking about and stay there because the likes of him are what I call negative people who have uh, their own so-called education and he has um, degrees. I'm not interested in his degrees. I'm interested. Yeah, he. no, I know. I don't mean to cut you short now. I don't. But just what Tim was saying was that that the price being paid over the last 14 months and and ongoing for some time to come for the majority of people has been too high a price to pay to keep elderly people safe. In the name of God on my that listen to me. You, you, you sound like you're speaking for Hitler when they got rid of the Jews. Me? I'm not agreeing with them. I'm appalled that anybody <laughs> would put... Uh, that any, it's, but what I'm saying is, to make a statement like that, that's just costing too much to keep the, pe- the old people. He would know... There are his words. He said, they've had a good innings, he said. Well, what? that's not his business. That's, not, that's my business and yeah. all the people like me. Yeah. And I've got an awful lot of friends who are behind me in age. And like, uh, all I can say is, I, I normally wouldn't ring you up and, and give out because um, I you're just not, don't You're not giving out. You're absolutely 100% right 
in what you're saying. I mean, and I'm and I'm look, glad that you did call because Yeah. Y- I go to Killarney yeah. every Thursday when this thing wasn't around and I fish Killarney every Thursday. And like that's my life. And I, I'm living down here in Kilbert in the most beautiful part of the world. I've my own wood. I've a wood down as far as the river and I can walk that. And every and every day I thank God that I'm alive and I have such good health. He said I'm there was no there there is a there is a section of society who believed that there was no need for lockdowns, that there was that there was no need for vaccine plans or anything because ninety nine point nine percent of the people just recover from it. And I said, Well ninety nine point six and I said, what about the 0.4 or 0.5 who don't recover? And he said they have a good innings, they're elderly. But, but my God, there's an attitude. That's unreal. And tell me. Yeah, man. T- yeah okay, yeah. Tell me about so your I'm secret. Tell me, to, tell me about being in the prime of your life at 88. How come? I mean, what's the secret? Well, the secret is, look, I'm in, I'm, I was environmental officer for the Munster Trout Landing Council for 35, 40 years, fighting pollution in the rivers. All the friends I made in fishing all over the country. I love music. I love reading. You know, I'm interested in everything. Last night, when I had nothing to do, I put on Mario Lanza for an hour. And by God, we gave it Holly to two of us. <laughs> but like, these, these are the things. And I love people. And I, I was an oil fire service engineer in Cork for 45 years. You were a what service then, engineer? What is your service? Oil fired burners. Well done, well done. And, and I, I was going in out of houses for 45. I no longer became a service man. Or a, I was a friend of the family. You know, and you, you old people. Jerry, could you get me an electrician? Jerry, could, uh, could you fix the hall door for me? The hinge is gone. These are the things. And this is what makes life, looking after people. And, and in my old age, no, I'm still looking after people. <laughs> and tell me, was your diet any way to do with it? Like, did you, did well, you watch what you, you ate? When, yeah, well, I suppose when I look back, I was born in 1933, and I remember the warriors. And like, we, had, we grew all our own food in the little house where we lived. Our own cabbage, potatoes, you name it. And luckily, my grandfather was a butcher, and we always had a bit of roast beef or something on Sundays. But it was the exercise. And I used to swim the function with my uncle Bill, who was a gym instructor. And we used to swim the function nearly 300 yards twice a day and thought nothing of it. And then at night, winter and summer, we had to go into Moorpark, climb up a tree, cut down limbs and bring the timber home on our shoulder. Otherwise, we had no heat or no cooking. So for Christ's sake, would that man get off, get away and leave this world and go into a home and stay there? <laughs> I'm just shit. I'm sorry for using that language. But I'm just, I don't normally get upset. But my God, what he said was, they had a good innings. So in other words, I should have been put down. Last uh, year, uh, he said 87. Last year, you should have been gone. <laughs> 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 I, think there's a lot, anyway, I think there's a lot more mileage on your clock, I'd say, Jerry. <laughs> well, all I can say to you is that um, I haven't got... I had an operation... No, I shouldn't be telling you all this, but I had an operation six years ago to change a valve. Yeah. And when I recovered so quickly from the operation... The um, surgeon spoke to me two months after the operation. He said, Jerry, what is the secret of your life? <laughs> I said, I haven't got the bloody time to grow old. 
And that's my philosophy. Come here, the spare parts are great now, aren't they? They have a spare part for everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, you love this. I told the man that he changed the valve. I said, I could have changed that valve myself. He said, what do you mean? I said, when I was a young man, I walked in the slaughterhouse in the butcher shop with my grandfather and every Easter I had to take out the sheep the lamb's hearts take out the valves and put in the stuffing and sell them to the young pregnant women that were coming into our shop and he said oh yeah he said that's grand but there was one big problem I said what was that he said oh your patients died <laughs> on that note I leave you go you're a busy done. man oh my god do call again will you do call again. Oh, for God's sake. Anyway, look for Stay Christy. Stay in touch, Enjoy pal. every day. And Stay. I listen to your program well done. every morning. You're the greatest. I love it. Fair play to you. And lot more mileage on the clock there. Only one owner. <laughs> Keep them coming. I love those calls. I really do. Anyway, you remember earlier on I was mentioning things that we eat. And I imagine that much of it has to do with, uh, you know, the food that Jerry put into him down through the years. But I mentioned broccoli earlier on, more to the point, broccoli soup, because there was a story during the rounds yesterday. In fact, the examiner have it on the front page this morning. It deserves to be there. You can get 700 euro if you take part in a broccoli soup study. Andrea Doolan is the CEO of Atlantia Food Clinical Trials here in Cork and joins me by phone. Andrea, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I got to tell you, Jerry's going to be a hard act to follow, but we'll do our best. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> anyway, broccoli is amongst the good foods, isn't it? What's this one about? Yeah, so we're doing a number of studies, and this one is looking at people who are pre-diabetic, and we're trying to recruit them into our study. They take the broccoli soup once a week for the duration of the study and see if it improves their, their symptoms of pre-diabetes. Mm-hmm. So it's very exciting, very innovative. And this isn't broccoli you get in the supermarket. So this is like a super broccoli. <laughs> and that's all natural. And that obviously has a lot of health benefits. And this research was originally um, discovered in another study looking at uh, the pancreas. So it's, yeah, so it'd be interesting the results. We're all very excited here to be running the study. And does it come in like a sachet form, add water, boil it up yourself kind of thing or what? It, it does. It's very simple. So all you have to do is open the sachet, put it into uh, a bowl, add some boiling water and eat away. And talk to me about the dosh involved in that. Is that normal that people get paid? Yeah, because we're, we're compensating people really for their time. And, you know, when you're participating in a study like this, you've got to come into the clinic. Um, we're in Blackpool multiple times over the duration of the study. So it's about nine visits altogether. Um, so it's not really about paying you, you know, to take part in the study. It's about compensating you for your time that you give. But are you, are you surprised that that's the aspect that the media picked up on then? Well, I guess we're at a time where people are all trying to make extra money and it's an incentive, you know, that if you're on site for two hours for a visit, you know, we need to compensate for that amount of time. And people are taking time sometimes out of work, so they might be using holiday time or whatever the reason may be. So it's warranted. And we do pay participants for all our studies, but not every study is 700 euros. Some might only be two or 300 euros, and then we've gone up to some studies up to 1,200 euros. Now, so it really is study dependent. Can we just broaden the conversation a little then and talk about trials? You say you do more. What are they like for probiotics, for tablets, pharma, yogurts, food, things like that, is it? Yeah, so Atlantia is quite unique in that we only specialize in clinical studies and foods and supplements, so we don't do any drug studies. So all the products we're testing are products like probiotics, prebiotics, botanical extracts, things like that. So, you know, a lot of people are eating these in their diet on a daily basis, but obviously we're testing them in a much more concentrated form. 
Oh, like what would the finished product be? Would it be a yogurt or would it be a, a, a soup or a, a health drink or a soft yeah, again, drink? It varies from site to study. Um, I guess the broccoli study is the first time we're do, really testing a soup in that formulation. A lot of our studies would be a capsule or they might be a product you mix to a yogurt or it could be even a dairy product that you might drink on a daily basis. So, you know, when we're, when we're doing studies, um, our sponsors, so the clients, are always looking at about the end product and how they're going to commercialise this. Mm. So often looking at shelf life and things like that is very important. So capsules would have a long shelf life or like a dried soup product like this, like this, this study is. And do, do some people do multiple uh, clinical trials where they make you know, a handy pin money out of it? Yeah, so we'd have kind of a repeat customers are right. Um, it very much depends on the study. So for most of our studies, we would require that there is a washout period of maybe two to three months um, between studies. And we're very conscious that people can kind of get study fatigue as well. So we try to manage that um, and not make it too onerous. Because some of these studies, you know, you could be filling out daily diaries, reporting symptoms, things like that. So, you know, we're aware that people can get study fatigue, but certainly we would have our customers come back maybe once, twice a year to do to participate in these studies. Nice one, nice. You don't have any study coming up for pizza or anything like that, do you? I wish, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately not. But we do have some really interesting studies. We've got a study starting shortly that's looking at a probiotic to treat prediabetes. We've also got, at the moment, we're doing studies in prebiotics on constipation. And we've got studies coming up looking at um, sports and muscle pain and endurance and um, yeah so it's, it does a wide variety of studies there so okay. they're all it's on our website atlantiaclinicaltrials.com so for any participant who's interested in potentially signing up to our database and getting informed of future studies they can head there and okay so the what's the response been to the broccoli soup one phenomenal we've had such a massive uplift in our database and people signing up and we've got a dedicated recruitment team here so they're all going to contact those participants um, over the next couple of days and get back to them. are you still inviting people to register and and what what do you have to be to qualify so for this particular study, um, you have to be pre-diabetic. But we will check that because a lot of people wouldn't know themselves that yeah. they are pre-diabetic. Okay. So there are certain indicators that might put you at risk. For example, if you're overweight, so if you've got a BMI of greater than 25, if you've got a family history of diabetes, you could be higher risk as well. Um, and then if you're on blood pressure medication or if you've got a larger waist circumference. So these are all indicators that you could be eligible for our study. But what we say to people is, you know, reach out to us We'll bring you on site, you know, we'll take a blood test and we'll confirm it then. Okay, okay. How many are you looking for? Well, for this particular study, it's only 40, so it's not too many. But over the next six months, we'll be looking for over 2,000 participants for our studies. We've got a, quite a few studies in the whole area of cognition and memory um, coming up as well. So I think between those studies, we need about 700 participants. So it's quite vast. Okay. There's a lot of people needed over the next Okay, months. how do people get on your database? So they can go onto our website, AtlanteaClinicalTrials.com and sign up dot com and sign up there. Or um, there's a phone number on our website that they can reach out to us. Um, and then also they can contact us through Facebook and Instagram. So okay. we have a number of means. Okay. And uh, uh, on a lighthearted note, do you pay the 700 up front or at the end? Or is it stay paid? Stay paid or at the end? <laughs> at the end. It is. It's unfortunately structured that way so that we ensure that the people kind of do follow through. You know, for companies who do clinical research, 
much. It's a big investment for them. And we work with some of the biggest food companies in the world, the likes of Nestle and uh, PepsiCo and Danone. And so they want to ensure that their investment in their clinical trials... Pepsi survey. I'll have that. Thank you. Sign me up. I don't mind the broccoli soup. Can 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 I put some grated parmesan on top of it? You can do whatever you want. We, w- we won't check that. We won't, yeah, you, whatever makes taste better. But it's still too, might be nice in there as well. So. <laughs> but it's, you're dead right. Stilton's better. Well said. Thanks, Andrea. Appreciate broccoli you taking the call. Very good broccoli. Yeah, okay. yeah. Broccoli with Stilton. Andrea Doolan, CEO of Atlantia Food Clinical Trials. We'll share the contacts on that one, lads, and you can get involved if you so wish. But it's a bit, it's a bit of a change, actually. It's nice to have those kind of stories knocking around rather than all of the doom and gloomy ones trying brighten it up from time to time. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Lovely jubbly. So what happened yesterday in the doll? I just want to mention this because I'll run out of time otherwise and I may well come back to it tomorrow if I have an opportunity to talk to uh, to Tommy Gould. But Mary Lou MacDonald was in the doll yesterday as was Michal Martin and we heard the news of um, this particular investment fund, right, who had a war chest of one billion euro. And they came in and they bought an entire housing estate in Maynooth. They bought every single house in the estate. Um, and I had heard of a story recently of a girl who was going around trying to buy property and she would go uh, to properties to, um, you know, view them and what have you. Anyway, to cut a long story short, she would keep bumping into the same other, this other girl who was also doing the same and they didn't become buddies or chummy or anything, but they just recognized each other from different properties. So they got chatting and, uh, she said that she was in looking at the house and so was the other girl. The other girl said, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not here. I'm actually here representing a Chinese investment group. Um, and I'm here, uh, to buy on their behalf. In fact, I've been told to buy up as many one and two bedroom apartments as I can find. Um, so this is happening more than just in Maynooth, where you have investment groups, or you have corporate groups, you have pension funds overseas that are buying up property. And what you're going to find is more and more countries, and it will happen a lot with Arab countries as well, uh, with the declining oil markets ultimately down the track, that they will turn more to to property. And it's not a stretch of the imagination to say that, um, you know, that, that it's just going to be Knightsbridge in London that they're going to be looking at or New York. They'll be looking at cities anywhere. Or, and a housing estate is a good bet, isn't it? Particularly if you can buy them all finished. So that's an example of what's going on in Ireland and, and how young couples or young people setting, a, not even couples, young people who want to get their own property or save and buy their own house. Should they have to hope now? The average house price in Cork now year on year, has gone up 11% when you look at the figure for April 2020 and the figure for April 2021. It's gone up 11%. And there's fewer than ever before now being built and indeed fewer than ever before available. So the average house price in Cork City now is 310000 That's when you average all of them out across the city and the suburbs. Say by comparison to Waterford City, if our average house price in Cork and I imagine that's a three-bed semi when I say an average house price, 310000 In Waterford City, it's 202000 All right? So see the disparity, a third cheaper in Waterford City as opposed to uh, Cork City. Um, I, don't, I don't know why that is, um, but I, I do want to play these clips because you might have heard a, a shortened version of one of them on the news at 11 o'clock. But this is Mary Lou and Hall in the doll yesterday. The fundamental point I want to make 
uh, this afternoon is that the purchase by institutional investors uh, of completed housing estates is unacceptable Thank you, and will now be examined by government in terms of dealing with that aspect of Thank of, you very of, much, of Deputy MacDonald. Your government is not driving construction. Uh, you've left renters in the lurch. You won't cut rents, and you certainly won't ensure that there's no rent increases for the next three years. You've no clue about affordability. Uh, in the cloud cuckoo land uh, which you inhabit, apparently 450,000 euros in Dublin is an affordable house. Well, Taoiseach, that is not the case. And above all else, your policy has consistently favoured and facilitated big developers, landlords and private investment funds. And what happened in Maynooth was not an accident. It is a direct consequence of your government's policies, uh, policies that you have designed and defended. You have cut a sweetheart deal arrangement for these investment funds, as I said, with no corporation tax, no capital gains tax, only minimal stamp duty. And the result of this is that these big wealthy funds can swoop in and gobble up those houses you, Deputy, that workers and families should expect Thank to be able much, to afford. You should listen uh, to what I've said. Uh, I'm very clear, this is not uh, government policy. Uh, and as I said, the institutional, I've said it very clearly, we do not in any shape or form deem it acceptable that institutional investment of this kind would uh, buy up uh, the estates that are already built. We said that now. And, and by the way, just to put things in perspective, resident institutional ownership of residential units please. is less than 1% of the total housing stock and 5% of all rental tenancy. Just to give some perspective to the rather long-winded introduction without that interruption. Gave, um, Deputy. But if I could make a further point, you, know, you need to analyse your own policies uh, also. Uh, in terms of your uh, uh, affordability policies, but also uh, in terms of your uh, assertion that you would deliver 20,000 homes each year. You can't say where, you can't say how, or you can't say by whom. And of course, no corporation tax. That's incredible. No capital gains tax, nothing at all. But yet they would be acting like a business in this country. Tommy Gould picked up on it then uh, and uh, ran with the ball on this one. And one of the points he was making was that... uh, you know, other European countries, particularly Germany, wouldn't be putting people in rental accommodations like we do for huge money that could be classed as nothing better than hovels. Most rental property in Cork was €450 Euro for a, a one-bed studio. You need to earn 34000 a year to afford this property. So in other words, you're paying €200 Euros a week to live in a box, because that's what it is. To look at a washing machine and to look at an oven. And another property for 900 euros has the kitchen countertop doubling as a bedside, a, a bedside uh, table. No, you quoted earlier on about court cases in Berlin and how you can't ban rent increases. But the facts are, will Germans live in these hovels? Not a chance. And the German government wouldn't allow it. And you know that two out of every three have properties that are assessed fail. That's what people have to live in. And if you look at the latest figures, how unsafe and sanitary and how inhumane the conditions are that people have to live in because of the price of rent. Like, if you go through that, 
half decent property is 1100 euros half is 550 so then you have to pay 550 euros plus your rent rent to the council on top of that it's not affordable and you you mentioned earlier on minister store rents are coming under pressure you must be a cuckoo land rents came under pressure five or six years ago just to give you an example there was a housing estate in Cork where you could rent a three-bedroom property two years ago for 1400 To rent the same property in that estate today is €1,800. Euros. Ye brought in rent pressure zone stating 4% increases a year. We know it's at least 65 if not 7 in Cork. So none of the measures you or this government or previous governments that ye supported have brought in can work. Listen, I just would like to say to you, Minister, would you stand up once and for all for renters and bring in the rent ban that Owen is proposing here? And if it goes to the court and if you lose, at least you can say you've done something. The facts are here. Under Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, rents will continue to rise. Thank you, and God forgive the Green Party for supporting me. All right, so that's in the doll yesterday. And God knows what it's going to be like if we're in a depression going forward. Not a recession, but with the amount of money spent on COVID-related matters. And I'm not saying that that money shouldn't have been spent. That's a, a discussion for another day. But how are they going to find the money? Uh, I mean, years and years ago, of course, it was the city councils or the corporations that were known that they had direct labor themselves. They built all of their own properties. Uh, of course, that all changed. And I suppose if you could reverse uh, the the sands of time, you'd probably do it differently. I saw an ad recently in da- on daft.ie. Um, now, I'm assuming that it's real. It was uh, up in Gardner's Hill where there was a property on the market for 3000 a month uh, rental. Now, I don't know how big it is or I don't know how many bedrooms are in or anything, but it stuck out to me as being one of those wow moments. Three grand. I mean, what are we talking about here? Is it like, what has it got in there? Has it got five or six bedrooms? Is there a huge extension on the back of it or or what? Anyway, your thoughts are welcome on that. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Perhaps I'll have an opportunity uh, to chat with you about that in, in the coming days. Are your own struggles... Email neil at redfm.ie. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. And Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And if that wasn't bad enough, everything I just mentioned before the break, Tommy Gould has been recently saying as well that there are cases of families now who are being driven out of their homes on the north side because of intimidation by young gangs. I don't know whether it's prevalent in any areas of the south side, but he said we call it anti-social behaviour, which is kind of a posh way of putting it. Um, and uh, this was uh, something that's been brought to his attention in recent weeks. He says, a number of communities in my area have come under attack. Some families have moved out of their homes because of this. Uh, it was a headline that made the echo recently of gangs of youths intimidating, the lo- intimidating locals so much that they have left their homes. God knows where they've gone. But he said, I know people who've been attacked and they're scared to go outside their front door. Um, is that what we're down to now, um, having to put in CCTV, as if that would make any difference when these people are underage? Anyway, with regards, I'll come back to all of that, with regards to those that are doing their best. Uh, and of course, young people got a bit of grief with regards to not wanting to get involved in the trades or apprenticeships there the other day. My daughter has been working for the last two years. She's been working since she was 15. She begs for as many hours as she can get. Why? So she can help to fund her hobby which is racing carts. Two weeks ago, she had her debut in Silverstone Race Circuit in a single-seater car. 
flying the flag for Cork. She goes online, books ferries, enters with her own money. She comes back, does her five days in isolation, PCR tests, then comes back to school. But at 4 p.m. after school, she goes to work for three hours to save her money for the next race. She's not afraid to work, says Mike Cole. And he sent me a photograph of his daughter in a racing car. To me, it looks like a Grand Prix car. It doesn't look like a cart. It looks like the real McCoy. And she going around Silverstone Racetrack. I mean, that's incredible. And she's 15 years old, begging for work. Others then are mad keen to engage in sport. My apologies to Joanne for keeping her waiting so long. Joanne, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Anyway, just talking about young people. Your grandson, tell me about him. Yeah, um... Uh, he got interested in GA recently and, uh, you know, he normally in front of the PlayStation, so we we're actively encouraging him. So, um, yeah, so he needed the, the, the boots and the, the safety helmet, you know, the one with the guard yeah. and all yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was in, I won't say the shop, but I was in the Blackpool area and um, I inquired about uh, making an appointment to bring him down, you know, for the um, stuff. And the girl said, oh, we're only allowed to sell the boots. We're not allowed to sell the hurley, the face guard. And I said, are you serious now? So he can play hurling, but we can't buy the safety equipment to protect his head. He can buy he can buy the boots, but not yeah. the helmet, is it? Yeah. You're he can buy the buy boots, any. but not the hurley. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't buy anything. Couldn't. I said, but he needs the helmet for his protect his head. Um, well, she said, well, there are the restrictions and we're just doing what we were told. And I said, you know something, now this has gone beyond a joke now at this stage. They're actively encouraging young people to get involved in sport and then they can't buy the equipment they need. Yeah, I mean, it makes no sense because you think they'd be getting they'd be getting geared up for all of this now, wouldn't you? Should they, look, Tommy Google's right there when he said they're all, they're, they're in another planet, these people making up these rules. You do know, you do know that in, in, in supermarkets where there are restrictions in the largest supermarkets, people are getting over the barriers and they're, they're picking up the, the toy or they're getting the book or they're, they're even getting the clothing and they're just going to the tills with them and cashing and they're being, and paying for them. Yeah, well, uh, Neil, I'm going to tell you now, I actually did that a couple yeah. of days ago. My yeah. other grandson, yeah. he was screaming for a toy in one of them two euro shops and I just said, and it was all taped off and I said, no, I'm not going to do it to him. He's three. You, how could you explain to a three-year-old, I can buy you lollipops there, look, or jellies. You know what I mean? But I can't buy you a plastic toy. It's just, these people that are making up the rules are just... And did you bring it up to the till and paid for it? No problem. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Yeah, that's he what's happening. He actually put it up in the counter. Yeah. And the same day that we needed the headgear for my grandson, I was able to buy him slitters inside an Aldi. They had slitters. They had bicycle helmets, which are no good because you know he needs to have the proper one. But for yeah, but imagine how annoyed the shops must be with these stupid, ridiculous regulations. It's totally like the, the best one I ever heard was one of the Fianna Fáil ministers. I won't say who. When people said we can't buy shoes for our kids, well, you can buy them online. And I rang in and I said, well, I never knew they can measure your child's foot online. Now, yeah, too, can yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You insane. know, there's yeah. no, there's no thinking here. It's just. And people are not questioning it. They're just sitting back and taking all this. It's just got me on the joke now at this stage. But can well, he go Can he go train now and play now? Well, he went, but he couldn't actively. Like he, it's, they're doing hurling and the football, so he was able to take part in the football, but not the hurling because he didn't have the helmet. And, you know, like he had slitter. No, he had a slitter. He had a glove. I got him an Aldi. But that's it. He have no protection and he have no hurling. Has he a gum shield? 
No, none of it. You're not allowed to buy any of it. You're only allowed to buy the footwear is essential. But, but you're in but you're in the shop and you physically can see these things, but there's only certain things you can buy and other things you can't. Yeah, that's, that's my point. I can understand your frustration. I can understand your frustration. And, and he wasn't the only child up there in the training pitch the other night that had no equipment. There's, but people are just not questioning it and they're just, like as usual, you know, like the fight's gone out of the Irish, I think. We're just sitting back and we're taking all this bullshit and people need to say, like, you know... Yeah, but you're nearly there, the 17th of May, 17th of May, all the shops will be open. But he could have a head injury by then, you know, know what I, I mean? Know, and I he's going to... Then I'd be going to a barrister then about that, you know, so I there's know. consequences for all these actions. Apparently they're selling helmets, isn't this extraordinary? They're selling helmets and hurleys in Aldi. Yeah, yeah. Bizarre, isn't it? Helmets, bicycle helmets. I didn't see any... Is that uh, what it is? It's a bicycle helmet. Guard. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Just want to highlight. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Man. Appreciate it, Karina. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. I won't keep you long, but a tonic for the troops was 88 year old uh, Jerry, wasn't he? Oh, I, listen, Neil. He was just uh, listening to him this morning. It would put a, p- a pep in your step going around the kitchen listening to him. If everybody had that mentality and that zest for life, we would be doing very, very. I well. want to be him. Can you buy him in yeah. a bottle? I, I just texted in to applaud him t- that he came on at 88 years old. Um, I was tired actually listening to the list of things that he was able to fit in in his life. And he was very right to take up that, that gentleman before that. That it, I thought it was an awful thing to say that, you know, they had an in- innings of a, of a good life. Um, we've all done an awful lot to keep our elderly safe during this pandemic. And, and, and rightly so, because... Um, you know, we wouldn't have the, 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 the country that we have without those older people. It's so to kind of cast them aside like that, I thought it was very, very yeah. cold-hearted. And maybe he didn't mean it in the way it came across. Well, there are, no, he's I not. He's not alone in that. There is. There is an amount yeah. of people who believe. But that I, the I think Jerry really, really deserved a, a round of applause to come on and take him on like that. And I, I just wrote in and I said, look, if if there was anyone, I'd love to introduce him to my eighty-nine-year-old mum. Um, uh, she has exactly the same zest for life, and I would love to be like her at her age. Um, she was on Nature and Mind earlier on in the year with the Jerusalem dance, and it went viral. And you know, it, it just—I think. The, the elderly have put up with an awful lot and they are coming out the other side and only and my it, husband recently yeah. said it was you know have you have you noticed that the elderly are coming out shopping a little bit more and it's it, you know it's lovely to see it look you know they're more confident and they're coming out and they should be applauded and I just felt that that remark that that gentleman made about um, you know uh, that this is all a whole hoax I, I don't know where he's coming from but you know, Jerry should be applauded, and okay. he was fantastic. And okay. I, I, he really, really made my day listening to him on, well the, on the radio. Well said, and thank okay. you for taking the call. Cheers, Karina, and regards no. to your ma'am. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I ran out of time yesterday. I want to give the last word to an event that I marked yesterday. I'm not sure it was marked enough, actually, to be quite honest with you. But maybe that's none of my concern. I did mention yesterday that it was forty years ago that Bobby Sands, the first hunger striker, died far from the age of. 87, 88 or 89. Bobby Sands was 27 years old. wonder if Miles Gaffney was old enough to remember it. Let's find out. Miles, good morning. Do you remember it? Were you too young? No, I wasn't even born in 1981, Neil, but you know, you might have been born, but people remember. Mm-hmm. Um, hats off to you yesterday because um, you were one of the very few who remembered Bobby Sands. 
Well, um, not just him, but limited, Francis McHugh. Yeah. Well, there was nine of them. You had Francis, who's Ray McCreese. Ten. Yeah, I'm not going to name the ten of them, but yes. like, you know, and, but like, um, what I'm just to talk to you about is about Bobby Sands' writings. If Bobby Sands was alive today, I would be looking to write songs of Bobby Sands. Um, I don't know if you know it or not, but he wrote Back Home in Derry, yeah. Mackelhattan. He has a fantastic song called The Song for Marcella. Um, he used to um, write Marcella as the, on the end of his writings in prison. That's his sister. I wonder how many people knew that he wrote Oh, I Wish I Was Back Home in Derry. That's a um, big song. Well, I've won, I won a lot of tickets for a lot of events with that question because everybody will type in Christy Moore. And I actually won two tickets to... Um, play in the Everyman okay I was based around the hunger strike yeah but it was absolutely fantastic because there's this music it's called the music from the blocks Taste blocks so it's all yeah so it's all music for, that was written and created from within the hate blocks which Bobby Sands had a huge hand in himself and another guy called Brendan McFarlane and this show was put together so it was a play and after each we said section of the play there was a song to match up to that part of the play, you know? Like, 10 died, but we also must remember that there was a further 13 who began to refuse food but were taken off the hunger strike. Either medical reasons or their families intervened. Um, you, you were probably aware of that as well. There was an awful lot more of them and the, the deaths on hunger strike in 81 followed the dirty protest in the likes of Longkesh and the Maze in the 70s. I mean, I'm old enough to remember yeah. all of those. I'm old enough to remember the tension in the air. 40 years ago this week, particularly on Leaside, and the, and the absolute hatred of Thatcher. I mean, it's a strong word to use, hate, isn't it? Well, well, my, my father always taught me growing up, like, to never use the word hate. I know, it's a strong, strong word, but I'm just telling you the way it was. It was... Yeah, no, it is. And look, I, I give you a story. I was doing a gig one night, and this guy Paul Davidson he does a bit of work for me he came into the to the green room I was making out a set list he said there's a guy outside here with a northern accent wants to meet you so I said should bring him in so your man came in sat down introduced himself so the story goes he was in the cell with Francis Hughes who was second on hunger strike yes, yeah. after Bobby Sands yes. and when Francis he referred to him as Frank because obviously he knew him personally and he said he sang only our rivers will run free. Francis Hughes sang it. Yeah. When he announced in, in, in the hate box that he was next, he he announced it out loud on the landing to the rest of the prisoners. And he told me that he burst into only our rivers run free. And he said to be there, it was so emotional that, that these men like believed in this so deep that they were willing to starve themselves for what they had for what they believe in. But anyway... Well, you, well the, 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 issue, the issue stemmed from they didn't want to be classed as criminal prisoners. They wanted yeah. to be classed as political prisoners. Not unlike Mandela yeah. on Robben Island, actually. No. No, but, he, but he, he, he went away and he says to me, will you sing Only the Rivers Run Free tonight? And I said, it's not on the set list, I said, but if I can get it in. And I sang it at the last song of the night and it was unbelievable to watch all the people fall in and sing it. Because I said the story beforehand, you know. Yeah. And I've met other men um, on my journey because, you know, I travel around the country meeting different people from all aspects of Irish society to get songs from them. Yeah. And you mentioned fellas who came off the hunger strike. 
Well, I met one or two of them. And to this day, the health problems that they have from getting on 30 or maybe into 40 days on hunger strike and then been taken off it, you know, after Mickey Devine died, the tent man, you know, as you said, families intervened. But I've met some of those men, you know. I actually met Bobby Sands' sister and his brother-in-law made a mirror of my mother and gave it to me as a gift many years ago. Um, that's yeah, the fact. Yeah, I yeah. met his sister one time. Just, so, just with regards to all of those um, that came off the hunger strike for the different reasons. If I call Lawrence McKeown, who was 70 days on hunger strike, he was taken off it by his family. 70 days without food. Yeah, just I'm actually friends with Lawrence on Facebook, actually. He, he, he has some great writings also. Uh, but Bobby Sands' writings, and even the songs about Bobby Sands, okay, the People's Own MP, and there's a very, very strong song written by a fellow called Francie Brawley. It's called the Hate Block Song. Look it up. It's... Will do. Desi says to me that there were 76 men on the list who were willing to go on hunger strike. 76 of them had signed up for it. Yeah. Yeah. If man gave me a song a few years ago by the name of Johnny Lane from Charleville and it's called No Criminal In Me. Now I changed the words of it here and there and I asked Johnny only last week I said Johnny he said there were so many songs he says written about Bobby Sands, he says, but there was never a song written from within the eyes of the man and what he saw. And Johnny wrote a song about Criminal in Me, and I recorded it actually a few years ago. But um, all right, let's have let's have a listen to that. I'm going to love you and leave you. Interesting text yeah. here. There is a street in Tehran, in Iran, in Iran, Tehran capital, where the British Embassy is located. It was renamed from Winston Tur- Churchill Street to Bobby Sands Street. And I, I also think somebody says by text there was a there's a Bobby Sands Street in Paris. Paris. Yeah, in Paris, yeah. And it just uh, there's uh, should we should we have one? Because in Cuba, of course, right. of course. Um, okay. I mean, look, it's a long, that's a long, hard slog debate. Um, but there's definitely streets in Cuba. Uh, named after hunger strikers. All right, okay, Maz. Thank you so much. I'm glad I squeezed you. I no appreciate problem. it as always. You always have a lot to no offer. Problem. Thank you for the great Maz Gaffney. Lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.